Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Here we go, here we go. Yo, welcome back everyone. Another episode of A Little More Good coming at you this Tuesday. We got a returnee guest. Ooh, it's a gooder. She's a gooder. She's one of the best. Yeah. I'd say she is my go-to source for uh, wellness dietary information in terms of the food that we uh, digest, the food that we eat, yes. uh, and how it contributes to our general well-being. Right. I text her a lot. I DM her a lot. If there's any projects of the juice truck that need uh, nutritional guidance, she's my 1-800. The go-to. The one and only. Who is it? Desiree Nielsen. Yeah. So good. We were so excited to have her back. Not only because she uh, she has a wealth of knowledge around all the things you were talking about, diet, gut health, uh, plant-based eating and living and all of that lifestyle, but... Um, Really exciting for her. She's got a new book that is just out. Yes. Congratulations. Be sure to order it. Get it at your local bookstore, wherever you get your books. Yes. Good for Your Gut by Desiree Nielsen. It's her third book. Um, This one's more focused on, um, you know, fiber, gut, digestive, um, you know, the whole microbiome. Uh, it's, it's incredible. We, we dive into the, the deep, uh, the deep of the book, um, the nitty gritty. Mm -hmm. Um, but the recipes are also unbelievable. I feel like she's really, Desiree is really, um, you know, her recipes are always incredible, but I feel like these are like next level on a culinary level. Mm -hmm. Um, everything looks amazing. And she's got, uh, some, uh, low FODMAP map stuff for people who, uh, have IBS, uh, which is, you know, I know it's difficult to find those recipes. Um, it's just an incredible book and, and to be dad pun here, uh, one of Desiree's many gifts is she is able to communicate, um, a lot of the scientific information in such a digestible way. Like it's yes. very approachable. It's very understandable. It's very relatable. Sometimes I'll pick up these books and it'll be overly sciencey, overly wordy, and it's hard for me to like comprehend 
what the key takeaway is and, and with Desiree, whether it's her podcast or her book or her posts on TikTok yeah. or IG, I'm like, okay, this is what I need to do. I understand it. This is how I'm going to be healthy and well and feel good. And uh, she does an amazing job of making it relatable and understandable. Yeah, that's right. And it's good. I mean, we've talked about it before uh, on the pod from our own experiences, obviously even the first conversation are, you can check it out with Desiree. Our Episode very, number two. Yeah. Our very first guest outside of you and Ryan. Yes. But yeah, our second episode, first real guest. Uh, so you can check it out. It was kind of like a plant-based one-on-one. So if you haven't listened um, to Desiree on that one, make sure you check it out. But we've talked about it. It's like a well, and, and you know, quoting her, a well-functioning gut is like a healthy means a healthier body. Mm-hmm. And so really, really central to looking after ourselves is like taking care of the gut. And this is what her new cookbook uh, is really all about. Yes. It's good. It's good for your gut. Good for your gut. Yeah. All right. Should we just turn it over to Desiree? Let, I mean, let her do the talking. Yeah. She's, she's so good. She's so fun. Um, it's just like one of those people that just gives you energy when you're with. So yeah, let's just jump into it. Okay. Desiree Nielsen, everyone. A little more good for your gut. All right, all right. Here we go. Round two with Desiree Nielsen. Yay. Welcome back. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. You are the first guest we recorded with, so it's uh, exciting to, to share a conversation with you again. Yeah. Yeah. Wild to think that that was like so long ago. I know. Yeah. It's just time is like floating into the ether. <laughs> well, it's true. Like a lot, a lot has happened in the world, mm-hmm. but also like in your life, like you've started your own podcast. Yeah. We've got the All Sorts Pod. So if you haven't, make sure you take a, take a listen to that, follow it. You're on uh, Instagram too at the All Sorts Podcast, so be sure to be sure to check that out. And that's really awesome. It's so cool to see you launch that. It's so fun. I just, you know, I think that I'm getting a little bit, I don't know, discouraged by the idea that social media is just because, especially because I'm I'm not that I'm not that funny. Like I'm not a good actor. Like social media is becoming so much about entertainment and also like what can you say in seven seconds? And so I really was craving having these kind of like really like deep, nuanced, meaningful conversations. And so, yeah, I love the podcast is so fun. It's so good. It just opens the door to that. Cause you, I would say you are very good at the limited seven second clip, (laughs) right? Like you're, you're on your Instagram. Um, you're always sharing like informative, I think, cool stuff yeah. and I know like I've sometimes made funny. sometimes funny sometimes yeah, funny yeah it's good <laughs> but like I know I've made a bunch of changes to my life since our conversation with the podcast yeah. and even just by following you and the little like nuggets of wisdom you drop along the way so oh, thank both you. forms I think are very very good for you very working <laughs> working very well so nice. yeah you create an incredible amount of content. Too. It's I true. I don't know how you do it. You know, and I feel like in comparison to a lot of others, like I don't. And I, you know, in 2020, it was a little bit of a reckoning for me because I was forcing myself to like put out content every day. And that content would take me like one, two, at its worst, three hours. Right. <laughs> so I you're it. putting it out to the void and like, a f- you know, a few thousand people are seeing it. And I was like, this is just, I need to connect to like, a, I will put out content when I feel like I have something really valuable to share. And mm. that sort of changed things for me, not feeling like, okay, I'm not just going to feed the robots here. Yes. And yeah, so I post a few times a week and mm. I really love what I post. And I'm actually having a lot of fun with video, surprisingly. I kind of like TikTok. Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, I'm 20 years older than everyone else on there, but I like it. <laughs> yeah, but I, we were having some conversation with friends recently and I kind of was always like, oh, TikTok's good and it's fun, but it's not really like 
I'm too old for that, which is like a bit of a (laughs) looking in the mirror kind of moment. But I recently learned that like it's different from a lot of social medias in that like the algorithm actually serves up to people like stuff that they're interested in. And so it's way more of like a tool. We think of TikTok as like cringy dance videos and this kind of stuff. But for a lot of people, it's like it's the new Google. Like it replaces a lot of the stuff and you're being shown things that you're already interested in or like that kind of algorithm process. But I could see it for you, like if someone's searching it and then they start finding like recipes and engaging content that is good and is helping them like to be better, then that's like all the more reason to be on the TikTok. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And it's it learns you incredibly well. Like it only took me about a month to all of a sudden it's like, oh, now I'm getting like, I don't get any dance videos. I yeah. don't get any of that. Like I get, you know, like social justice, vegan recipes, dietitians, like non-diet stuff. And I'm like, oh yeah, like this is Bring what I Bring it get. on, yeah. And then a bunch of, oh, how to grow your following on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> Always. But yeah, no, it's good. And I think it is, it is awesome. Like even to your point where you're saying that the curated, like intentional content, mm-hmm. I find that it's always good. Some people, they, they're prolific. There's a lot of posting, but maybe it's like one out of 10 is good yeah. where I feel like most, most of the time I'm like tuned in and I like rewatch a story to be like, Oh wait, what was that? Or I don't want to miss that thing. So yeah. I don't know. At yeah. least on my end it's working. Thanks. <laughs> I only watched the TikTok. I probably shouldn't admit this, but uh, when my youngest son is having like an uh, uncontrollable tantrum, I'll put on like puppy or kitten videos. <laughs> And it calms them right down. So I'm like, come on, Cole, watch the kitties. Look at the cute kitties on the TikTok. So now when he like has a temper, he wants the TikTok. I'm like, this is a bad habit. This is going to be like how we regulate Cole's mood. Got to cut him, cut him off now. Yeah. (laughs) My lazy parenting. There's always YouTube. My youngest, it's YouTube all the time. So (laughs) crafting videos and like makeup videos and like how to redesign Barbie's like complete face and hair. Okay. Like, people like rip out Barbie's hair and like re and I don't know how oh, they do wow. it, but she is fascinated by these things. So I'm like, it could be worse. It's <laughs> okay, true. Okay. Right. Yeah. They're still downhill to go. Yeah. <laughs> Wait till they're teenagers. Yeah. <laughs> oh, mercy. All right. So TikTok and YouTube and Barbie's aside, we're here mm-hmm. to celebrate something very special and exciting. Yes. Your new cookbook that you've got in front of you. Good for your gut. Um, can you tell us, uh, well, first off, congratulations. Thank you. Um, this book, just want to acknowledge how beautiful and amazing it is. And I feel like the recipes are like next level. Mm. Like there wasn't a recipe that I didn't want to try. And I just want to like move into your house and like have these on the menu every single day. Yeah. Did you tell my kids that? that, That's what your reality (laughs) is like, right? (laughs) Well, you know, it is like a couple of days a week when I'm in recipe development mode. This is literally, I mean... This is how I would always eat if given the time and the choice. Course, yeah. But it's funny now that I'm at this place in my life where I develop like probably a hundred recipes a year on average these days. Yeah. So a couple of days a week, this is exactly what we're eating. And then the other couple of days was like, mommy can't cook tonight. I'm going to open up this can of baked beans and put it on sprouted cream bread. <laughs> and this is how we're eating tonight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Beans yeah. and toast. Exactly. Never go Classic. Wrong. Yeah. So I guess first off, what's, uh, you know, this is your, your third cookbook now. Yeah. Um, what was the goal of, of, of this book? What were you hoping to achieve with this one? Yeah. You know, I really, you know, starting with what I began in with Eat More Plants, 
It's really about giving people the tools to understand their health and particularly around gut health. Like I've been doing gut health for a decade and Mm -hmm. it definitely wasn't, you know, as popular back then as it was now, nor did we have the research back then that we do now. And so I wanted to have the opportunity to really teach people about how their digestive tract should actually work um, and how nutrition can impact them. I really wanted to just sort of cram because I've stepped away from seeing clients one-on-one myself since 2019, which is wild to think about. So I wanted to give people everything that I had on gut health because I know a lot of people can't afford to access dietitians Mm -hmm. in private practice or they might have a dietitian nearby, but she doesn't know gut stuff. And so I wanted to just give them, here's how your gut works Here's what can happen to the gut from the everyday things like, yeah, like let's talk about farts, like let's talk about <laughs> constipation. Why does that happen? What can you do about it? Mm-hmm. To the more serious like IBS, you know, GERD, all that kind of stuff. And then of course, once they have the why, give them all of the delicious food. Cause I think that we are so challenged to turn nutrition recommendations into dinner. And so the whole concept around doing these sort of therapeutic nutrition cookbooks is that here's what you need to know, but then you don't have to go figure it out. Like here is like over 90 recipes. They're all delicious. And even with good for your gut, the recipes are in three different categories, depending on what your needs they are either protect, heal, or soothe. Um, so have at it, enjoy your food, love every minute of it and make your gut healthier too. Yeah. And the recipes look amazing. I wrote, I wrote down some that I'm excited to try from pumpkin oat pancakes, Mm -hmm. uh, the light is air waffles, uh, the matcha chocolate cups, um, the creamy mushroom lentil toast, the chickpea umami burgers. I mean, spiced tahini roasted squash. Yeah. Just every, honestly, every recipe looked yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. So, congrats! Yeah. Like, Thanks. I think you've created something really special here, and I'm I'm excited for the world to to get their hands on this because I think it'll make the world a healthier place, mm-hmm. healthier, happier place. Thank <laughs> you. And it's super cool too. Like you were talking about, you wanted to give people. Um, what you knew, right? Mm-hmm. And like when you open the book and kind of flip through the first little uh, f- first few pages, there is kind of almost like a science textbook looking thing of yeah. like here's your here's the body, here's like where the food goes in. So you're really like exposing people to not just like good recipes, but yeah. like the physiology of it, like how it yeah. works in us. Having, having the, you know, I, I have three illustrations in the book and it was really, really important to me because I think a lot of the times when we educate about the gut or talk about the gut, we sort of like jump to the end game. And the challenge with that is if you don't understand, like, how does your gut work? Mm-hmm. Like, where is your small intestine? Cause people will be like, oh, my stomach hurts and like clutch their lower abdomen. And I'm like, no, I'm sorry. Those are your intestines. (laughs) You know, like just even understand where these things are happening in our body. Because if you don't have this like really baseline knowledge, the first person that comes along with something shiny and makes makes sense to you, it's really easy to be taken. And like Mm. all of a sudden now we're like not eating lectins because we think it's going to cause leaky gut. So like, or even leaky gut, like can the gut leak? Like, what does that mean? And is it always a bad thing? So I wanted people to have the background knowledge so that they can fortify themselves when they're on Instagram, when they're on TikTok and someone is saying something, you're like, you know what? No, that's not actually how the gut works. So maybe not. Yeah, they can check it out. They can fact check it with you in the book. So important because there is so much information, which is great, (laughs) but not all information is created equal. 
Yeah. And, you know, for me, I wanted this to be a like a cookbook, but also like a resource that people could come back to. So mm-hmm. if you're like, I just want some really good vegan food. Well, I got you. <laughs> but nice. like, then you'd be like, actually, something's up with my gut right now. And you can come back to the book and be like, oh, I am bloated. Like, let me go back and learn about bloating. And it's funny. Um, I wrote this book in 2020 and I just wanted to put so much into it that we cut like 30,000 words from the book. I covered everything and that the extra information is going to be available for people on my website because I even had a chapter in there on celiac disease and the inflammatory bowel diseases because they are rarely covered in these kind of popular books. So people will be able to like go to my website and grab that, that uh, director's cut. Amazing. That's impressive because the book, spin. the book itself, like as it is now is full. Like it's a big book. It's over 300 pages. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I Info think and nutrient dense. Y- yes, exactly. Very good. <laughs> Sorry, I cut you off there. No, no, that's great. I mean, I think I envisioned it as probably like a 500-page book. I mean, it was the pandemic. What else did I have to do? (laughs) Like, I just poured everything I had. And it was a a good... It kept me... My ship steered. Yeah, yeah. true for that year. So it was nice. I think what I love about it, too, um, with your podcast, with your books, with, you know, your TikTok and your Instagram, it's all very approachable and digestible. Uh, like there's a lot of health and nutrient books out there that are great, like uh, the China Study or How Not mm-hmm. to Die. There's so yeah. much, so much information, but it's like I can only read like a couple pages at a time, and then I'm like, okay, I need to like digest that and then yeah. maybe side research it a little bit so I fully mm-hmm. understand it. Whereas I find like you do a really great job of making things like understandable for everyone. So, oh, thank just you. Want to compliment that? Thank mm-hmm. you. It's it is a skill, and it's funny because. Um, all of the references to the references got cut from this book as well, which are also available on my website. It's, you know, so everything is, is fully evidence-based, you know, up to date, but I feel that it's my job as a dietitian. It's like, I can just give you the studies, but actually I can crunch that in my head and I can tell you the story that helps you understand them on like sort of a deeper level. And I think that's important. Oh, so much, so much so. Cause I think, and I think that's where like you have this, this gift and this niche is that you are like, it feels like, and I'm thinking back to Insta stories I've watched, like it's their stories. You're a storyteller that takes this big scientific information of how our body works and how foods interact with it and the different, you know, all the SIBO and IBS and all of these things that we've heard and we might know, but don't really know. And you kind of synthesize it and can give it to us in an approachable or digestible digestible. kind of (laughs) way. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, and it's helpful because then it's easy to give someone that resource and be like, here, this is, this has got you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay, I got a long list. I'm always so excited to to chat with yeah. you, um, you know, about all things beyond nutrition. But on a nutrition side, I always have like a list of things that I need to ask Desiree. Half of them are personal, and half of them are like <laughs> That's awesome. general interest. Free consult right here <laughs> in front of yeah. everybody. A the entire world. A friend of mine was wondering. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so please be ready to, okay. to hear all of my issues in life. They're coming at you. Um, if you need help with your marriage, where do you go? <laughs> I don't know. Would you tell me? <laughs> start I by making, you, yeah, yeah. Start by making some of the recipes and doing dishes. There exactly. Go. There we go. Yeah. Okay. Marriage and jokes aside, but, um, I thought this would be a healthy place to start, uh, and just kind of like be a baseline definition for kind of some of the things we're going to talk mm-hmm. about. Um, what, what does healthy really mean? 
That's right. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a loaded question because everyone, I mean, everyone should define it for themselves. The challenge with that is some people's definition of healthy is very much attainable by like only the elite few. And I think that's a real problem. It's definitely a real problem for me as a dietitian, because I think that everyone has the capacity for health and to improve their health, no matter where they're at. So when I think about health, It's definitely not a size. It's not a shape. It's not a weight. Um, It's a couple of things. One, uh, how do you feel? First and foremost, how do you feel? Like, do you wake up and like, sure, maybe you need a coffee, but do you wake up and you feel like you've got energy that you need to like get through your work, your family stuff, all that kind of thing, baseline. Do you feel good? Great. Then what are your behaviors? I'm always really looking at behaviors and most people think that like dietitians are the food police, which could not be further from the truth um, because I'm not looking so much. Oh, did you have a glass of wine on Friday night? You know, did you have some like ice cream, you know, Sunday on the pier? It was, do you eat vegetables? Like, let me see. Like, what are your vegetables at? Like, are you eating enough fiber? Are you, if you say that you are hungry all the time um, or low energy, I'm going to look and see if you have protein at your meals because protein is going to help slow down the rate at which that entire meal is digested and absorbed to give you more steady blood sugars, steady energy levels. Um, It's really those basic things. Do you sleep? Because man, the amount of people who will spend thousands of dollars on supplements and treatments and all this. And they sleep like four and a half, five hours a night. I was like, well, I can save you a lot of money. We're now going to like put our devices away. We're going to turn Netflix off. Like you're going to take a hot bath with some Epsom salts. We are going to prioritize sleep. Like just like we do with our kids, we're going to create a cute little sleep routine (laughs) and we're going to get you sleeping, you know, seven to nine hours a night. And it's amazing how much energy and focus and interest we put in all of these wellness things. But like 90% of your health is, are you safe? Like, do you have housing? Do you have adequate access to like basic food? What's your stress level at? Are you sleeping? Are you moving your body? Like that is the thing. And it's, people are like, oh yeah, I get that. Sure. But that's, but no, I want to like optimize. I want to like hack. And I'm like, sleep is the hack. You know, like kale is the hack. (laughs) Put that on a t-shirt. Yeah. It's, it's the basics. And you know, the closest thing that we have to a magic pill is consistency. Mm -hmm. It is the quiet, unremarkable, you know, habits and practices such as being like, oh, I'm not going to watch that second episode. I am going to go to bed now. And I am going to chop some extra vegetables at dinner. Like those are the things that make you actually healthy for life. You know, if you're like, well, I don't like kale. I'm like, okay, cool. There's spinach. <laughs> There's broccoli. <laughs> like you got to, mm-hmm. something green. Yeah. Like let's put something green in your body. Yeah. doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. Oh, that's good. And even, even exposing people, you know, to a version of kale that they're like, Oh, actually this is pretty good. Cause probably not a lot of people are just going to eat kale. Right. And if they think like, I don't like it, then that's fine. But like, how can you try it in a way that like, maybe it just tastes like curry and the sauce that you're like (laughs) mixing it with, but you're still consuming it or throw it in a smoothie, like one, one little piece at a time. So you can't taste it. And then eventually like 
you don't even notice that it's there and you can add two pieces, right? And you're getting it in. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, sometimes we all just don't like things. Like I'm kind of embarrassed to admit, I don't like seaweed. It is my so, wife doesn't like seaweed either. It is so, so funny. good for you. Yes, and there's yeah. like so many different kinds and there are so many <laughs> complex flavors and textures. And like as a food person and a plant person, I'm like, I can't believe that I've, I've tried on sushi for like decades. I don't love it. Like wow. I eat sushi, but I'm like, I don't love the seaweed. And that's just me. Um, and so we're all going to have the things that we don't like. My husband does not like eggplant. So I don't force him to eat it. He gets one. <laughs> so, <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> he gets one. <laughs> So we don't eat a lot of eggplant in our house. I put all my eggplant energy in like my cookbooks. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then some people also don't like foods because their palates have been sort of hijacked mm, right. by our like current industrial food landscape. So if you eat, I mean, we literally, the other thing we call hyper processed foods is hyper palatable foods. Like they're hyper tasty foods, like thanks to science. We've taken out all the bitterness. We've taken out all the things that are more challenging to our palate and just like giving you all the sugar, all the salt, like an extra lashing of fat just to like make it extra yummy. And so when you're used to eating those foods, kale tastes weird. Yeah. Like it tastes bitter and like earthy. And you're like, I don't know what these flavors are. Like, give me some Skittles. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So if that's you, then there's lots of things that we can do. And that's why I'm why I've found such a passion for cooking, which, you know, I've always loved food, but in my twenties, it was like very basic, right? Like I wasn't much of a cook. Um, but just when you realize that these foods that you use to take care of your health can also be incredibly flavorful and pleasurable because you didn't put just like a tiny sprinkle of spices. Like there are tablespoons of spices in there that you can actually use salt it is okay. You know, like if you're not mm-hmm. like getting like 2000 milligrams of sodium from a fast food meal, well, heck you can put a half a teaspoon of salt in a right. recipe and it's going to make those plants just so much more flavorful. Iodized salt. I was just going to say that. Iodized salt. That. You remember that. You remember We're good students. Yeah. <laughs> the interesting thing too, Desiree, maybe you can speak to this is I remember, I think it was like a CBC marketplace kind of expose mm-hmm. or whatever, but they were doing something about like the, the food industry and how specifically with like snacks and how they're like in many ways like lab generated to have like sugar salt and fat even if it's unnecessary and the purpose of that is to like keep the because our desire would be just to keep eating it so rather than like having you know a few chips it's like i eat the whole bag because they're just so good. And you, it's like on auto, you just keep getting more and more and more. And then he's, I remember seeing that and it's being like, not only is it unhealthy for you yeah. and unhealthy for children that they're having these really, really salty, high fat, high sugar um, snacks because that's what they crave. But they also, it like in some ways like ruins or dulls their taste bud for like natural foods. Yeah. And then that's like a correlation between choices that people make from even a very young age. Mm. Cause they're like, Oh, I like these. Cause of course you like goldfish like crackers. Cause they're so salty. Like it's just salt. Mm. And then when you eat a cucumber or tomatoes, th- those flavors, like you don't quite like them as much. Cause yeah. it's like addictive by design. Yeah. And it's, it's funny. Like my very first book, um, Unjunk Your Diet was a lot about that. And, you know, and I'm, I'm so torn like right now in how I communicate about these things. Cause one of the things that really ticks me off is exactly that. Like Mm. we allow multinational corporations to literally make billions by engineering food, like 
incredibly brilliant food scientist, like the right sort of like arc of crunch yeah. versus, you know, disillusion. Like, yeah, that salt, sugar, fat, like that old book, it's still an old book, but I think it would like track. And I think it's just called Sugar, Salt, Fat. Okay. That teaches you exactly how the food industry manufactures food to get you to eat more. Mm. Like I said, like our brains interpret these foods as being otherworldly delicious. And so on one hand, that really ticks me off. On the other hand, my challenge is the way we talk about these things in wellness, like, sure, it's not great for us. And as a dietitian, I would never tell anyone to eat these foods 24 seven. Mm-hmm. Um, but the challenge is, is that now we sort of get into this place where when we eat those foods, we feel bad about it. Right. And I never want to see anyone feel any sort of guilt or shame in terms of their food choices. Like food mm. is just food. And I really want people, if they can, and it's a hard balance because of like, yeah, I mean, diet culture, man, <laughs> like this is just, yeah. it's gross. Yeah. So it's a hard balance between being like, yeah, we totally need to. And that's why I think I take a positive approach to nutrition is like what to eat more of, right? Like eat more plants. Like mm-hmm. let's talk about like how amazing lentils and kale and like hemp arts are for you. And like, let's put our focus there. Um, also a little bit of bias, like spicy Dale, Miss Vicky's for life. So I would never also <laughs> want to give anyone the impression. I think if you follow me for more than two weeks, you also realize yeah, I'm yeah. like, here I am eating ice cream, yes, <laughs> I'm like yeah. eating chips. And the more we focus on eating these foods, the more we sort of train our taste buds to enjoy and appreciate them, we can have these other foods in our life and they don't become a big deal. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because I actually grew up that way. And I know not everyone does. Like I had this weird sort of like split food personality as a kid because I grew up in this Portuguese house. My grandparents had a massive garden. Like I would just spend the summers like under the raspberry bushes, like with a book because I was a loner, still am, (laughs) like was then, still am, just like eating raspberries and like shelling peas with my grandmother and eating these like, you know, like, very vegetable heavy Portuguese dishes, but then they also came to Canada in 1959. So it was like one night it was like shake and bake and French fries. And then the next night it was like called de which is like this like kale, Portuguese kale soup. So I always had both mm-hmm. and I, maybe that's more natural for me and I know it's not for everyone else, but right. my kids get tons of this stuff. Uh, you know, they eat sprouted grain bread is like the bread that we have in our house and we do like a nice sourdough on the weekends and then they also get candy. So I'm hoping that I'm teaching them that all of these foods have a place, but also emphasizing that the ones that are really going to power your body are the plants. Right. Yeah. And not like demonizing specific yeah. foods. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Eat the cookie. I think you said on the last Yeah, pod, exactly. So good. You know, yeah. hate, hate the multinationals, love the spicy dill chips. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things you talk about that I think is in line with what we're we're touching on here is the pattern versus plate. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like for myself, for a lot of people, you know, I'm I'm happy to have the the nachos for for dinner on Friday, and I won't yeah. feel bad about it. But I think a lot of people in in this culture, and it's not their fault because you know I feel like our our social media is like yeah. kind of built this idea of perfection, and that idea is quite flawed, but, um, 
Can you talk about pattern versus plate yeah. and, and what it means and, and how that can create healthy habits? It's definitely one of my favorite, I don't know, I won't call it a, a rule, so like a you're a motto. Rule yeah, because I am very much <laughs> a rule breaker. Um, it's, yeah, one of my favorite mottos. And what pattern over plate means is exactly as it sounds. So your health will not be made nor will it be broken by a single plate or a single ice cream or a single bag of chips. It is what you do day in and day out over weeks and months and years that matters. So it is your dietary pattern over any one food or over any one plate. And when I say that, I hope that it liberates people because when you realize that, you know, okay, so I had ice cream on Sunday. Well, no big deal. I don't have ice cream two times a day, seven days a week. I have vegetables, you know, two times a day, seven days a week. So I'm okay. Mm -hmm. Um, because I think, you know, we sort of get into this spot where like, Oh, I don't feel great. And I'm going to like do something intense for like a week and then like go back to exactly what you're doing before. I was like, well, I hate to break it to you. Like that one week you felt really good in that one week, but it hasn't given you anything to carry over and to Mm -hmm. carry through. And if you don't, Whatever you do to maintain a positive change, whether you want to decrease your bloating or you want to have more energy levels or um, you need to balance your blood sugars, whatever you do to create that change, you need to be able to maintain for life. Like your body isn't sort of like, oh, I'm reset. (laughs) Like this is a new normal. And now I can eat just bags and bags of candy and my blood sugars will never go off the rails. No, it doesn't work like that. Mm -hmm. Like your body is constantly responding to how you take care of it. Mm. And so, yeah, we can all just relax a little. Yeah. In some ways it's like the, it's like the anti diet because it's not about restriction or limiting, uh, you know, anything in terms of, Oh, don't eat that. Cause whatever my goal, I'm trying to lose weight or I'm trying to just eat healthier. So I'm going to stop eating all of these things. And we put these parameters on versus just saying, no, look at your patterns. Like generally, what are your patterns showing? Mm -hmm. And then maybe, okay, maybe we need to tweak some of the patterns, but it's not about like never eat these things again. Right. Exactly. Obviously allergies and stuff, notwithstanding, but in terms of just like a balanced meal plan, that's like what you should be going for and not just yeah, the elimination diet. Well, I'll stop eating all sugars yeah. for a month. And then... And then what? Yeah, <laughs> right? Then you like binge. You're just like waiting for the, the next, that end of that thing so you can yeah. drink a Slurpee and eat a chocolate bar or like whatever it is. Well, exactly. And, you know, you hit the nail on the head just with that because so often, you know, you hear I hear from people like, oh, well, I just, I crave these foods so much. And like I or I quote unquote, can't control myself around these foods. The answer might be my text. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I was like keeping you anonymous, (laughs) but so often that kind of mindset stems from restricting those foods. Mm. If you tell yourself, I can't eat ice cream because ice cream is high in sugar or it's high in fat, or like that's bad for me and it's going to be dangerous for my health you give that food so much like it's just food Mm -hmm. but you are giving the food that power and you're going to think about it all the time because when you want it you don't let yourself have it and it just it spirals out of control whereas if you're like I can have ice cream whenever I want and maybe for a while you're going to have a lot of ice cream like if it's been years and years Maybe you're going to have an ice cream every single day for the next month. 
that's worth it. Right. To get to the point where you eat it so much so that it loses that power and you're like, oh, okay, I've had enough ice cream. Right. Like it just doesn't feel like this, you know, intense gravitational pull anymore. Um, yeah, that's the goal, but it's hard for people to do. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And there's like, there's so much wrapped into it beyond like just internally. I think what people are experiencing with that battle of like willpower, like resisting the temptation, all this language and it's external now it's coming from outside and it's coming from like you talked about, you know, diet culture or what we see and perceive through social media or even just conventional media as like fit and healthy and you know, what we should look like. And like all of that is mixed up into it. And then you throw in people's own disposition of like, Oh, I feel bad about myself because I ate the thing. So now I'm just going to eat more of it to like try and soothe it. And it's a whole thing versus like, I like how you're sharing this perspective of like, no, like take the power away from it. And like, it's just, yeah, it's just food. And I think, you know, it's really important too. like, if anyone's listening and they find themselves in this place, you immediately need to unfollow every single account that you find yourself addictively glued to Mm. because they share this kind of information. Mm. Because who does it, you always have to ask yourself, who benefits from me feeling conflicted or nervous or uncertain about my food choices or about my body size? Like it benefits the person that's getting the views or selling you the books or, you know, like it's not benign, you know, the diet industry and now like the wellness industry is like, like just massive, like multi-billion dollars. People are like, oh, well, vegetables don't have any vitamins anymore. And so here take $200 worth of vitamins, like garbage, garbage. But we allow these messages into our mind. Um, and it, totally damages our relationship with food Mm. and health. And so in order to protect ourselves, it's like unfollow, 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 just do it. It'll change your life. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Circling back to when we talked about what healthy really means, because I think there are so many misconceptions. And and as I mentioned, it's hard. Like when we watch even on the plant-based side, like there's, I watch any of the documentaries and they're celebrating the athletes and the people with big muscles and the people with six packs or flat stomachs. And it's like, Sure, like these people happen to be plant-based, but they're also professional athletes or they're professional bodybuilders and Mm -hmm. you can achieve those results on a plant-based diet, which is great, but it doesn't mean, it doesn't have to be the only definition of health. And I think uh, people like yourself are are helping kind of restructure that image. And uh, you talked on your podcast about Haze, health at any size. Um, I think it'd be great if we can kind of repurpose and reposition when you say someone looks good, you're like, have you lost weight? You know, Mm -hmm. like kind of separating weight loss and diet culture from actually being healthy because they can be quite the opposite. Yeah. And there are some great, and I'll, you know, I'll say this because it's, you know, because I'm like, I'm a gut health, I'm a plant-based gal, but as a dietitian, I feel like this movement that's being pushed by, by people far more engaged in it um, than I am like Shani Spence, like at the nutrition tea, she is amazing. There's so many incredible creators, um, on Instagram, really helping people unlearn diet culture and the inherent biases, the, uh, the inherent racism mm. in the idea that people need to look a certain way in order to be healthy. Um, so for me, it's just really learning from those people because I think the baseline as a dietitian should be 
weight neutral. Like, even though I'm a plant-based dietitian, I'm a gut health dietitian, like it should just be just like I'm thinking about people's food security, just think like I'm thinking about, um, you know, the ethics or sustainability of the, the nutrition recommendations I give, like weight neutrality should just be the new neutral for all healthcare professionals, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Wow. Yeah, because weight is, I mean, even something like the BMI, and, and people can look this up um, online, but like the BMI was never meant to be a clinical tool. And we use it, we consider it as part of evidence-based medicine and evidence-based nutrition that the BMI is like a clinically validated tool. Um, But it was designed to categorize people for insurance purposes Mm. and with a very narrow window on the people who were selected as healthy. And, you know, so BMI, if you are like a power lifter, a BMI is going to tell you that you have obesity, yeah. which could not be further from the truth. And, you know, so weight in my mind has very little to do with overall health. And as I said before, and I'll say it again, it is your behaviors. If you were to work with me or if I was to, you know, chat with you about, well, I don't know if I'm feeling healthy. It's like, how are you feeling? And what are your behaviors? Those are the only things that matter in my book. Yeah. 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 Far less damaging. Like I can think of when I had uh, my BMI done and I was like, what? I'm on like the far end of the obese side. And I was like, I thought I was like doing all right. Like I'm not the most svelte person out there, but I'm like, I can run and do all the things that I love to do. And I was like, oh, and it like sits with you where you're kind of like, I'm maybe I need to lose weight. Like it implants into your mind that like something is off with with who you are. And, and see, and that should never like here, here you are plant based runner, like so athletic and, and even for you that's entered into your mind. And so for me, like anyone listening, if a physician asks you to step on a scale, you can say no. Mm. If any healthcare practitioner asks you for a weight, you can say no. I don't think anyone should own a scale. I have a baking scale. That's the only thing. (laughs) (laughs) The only thing you're allowed to have is a baking scale. Um, If they, for some reason, need it for dosing a medication, you can turn yourself around and be clear that you do not wish to be told your weight, you know, because some medications are dosed by weight. So that makes sense. So it's like, I'm not going to look at my weight. Please do not tell me my weight. Um, Because I think evidence-based nutrition and medicine is actually a lot slower to move than the evidence because of course all of us we're, we're old we went to school 10 years ago 20 years ago whatever and you just keep doing really what you're taught right um so it takes each one of us to be like no we're going to make a change we're not going to live like this anymore um because we do need to move forward because it is it's damaging like yeah. as we can see you know the amount of people with diabetes cardiovascular disease can't one in three Canadians will get cancer in their lifetime. Like we're not doing great Mm -hmm. despite all of the research, despite everything that we know. So it's really time to shake up how we deliver healthcare and how we teach people to care for their bodies. Cause obviously what we've been doing is not working. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it's a whole nother topic of conversation, but like the, the healthcare is really like sick care. Mm -hmm. Like we don't do a lot for prevention, which if you think you're going to put money into something like, shouldn't it be there and like offset, like, you know, whatever, we're still in this like strange COVID time. And we talk about like all of the, 
whether whether people wherever we are on how we agree about them or not, but like mandates to keep people safe and you know wear masks and keep distance and things are closed. And the reason for that is like a noble reason. We want to keep all of these people healthy, but it's like the reason that we need to implement all these things is because there's not enough hospital beds yeah. for people if it were to get overrun. And so we need to obviously keep our hospitals functioning and safe, but it's like, we're not, we're not even talking about like, Oh, we need to put resources into like expanding that. And there's not enough beds because we're not preventing people from getting sick from things that are very preventable. Oh my gosh. As a dietitian, like I agree with you 100%. The challenge, I, I think the challenge with prevention is that prevention costs a lot of money. Mm-hmm. It's very high touch. You know, like a dietitian, we're going to sit down with you for an hour and then that's not it. You can't sit down with a dietitian for an hour and then go off. And for the rest of your life, you're like, I'm good. I'm good. No, because we, we change, we grow, mm-hmm. we get into like different phases in our life, like pandemics where I learned that there's beer delivery and all <laughs> I do is eat ice cream. <laughs> It's like a normal human response (laughs) to isolation. Okay. Right. Yes. (laughs) So the challenge is, is that it is, it's high touch and then it's long term, Right. right? right. And, and, and healthcare runs on political cycles. And so when so many people are sick, the most important thing is that we help protect those people. So, you know, people don't die of a Mm -hmm. heart attack or, Mm -hmm. you know, we have incredible treatments for, for cancer And so it's hard to not take from that budget and then liberate this budget to be like, all right, we've got you. Yeah. You know, I can't just give you a handout and be like, it's done. Like, we really do need a lot of intensive work in like crafting communities and cultures, uh, food security, having access Mm -hmm. to healthy foods Mm -hmm. um, is really, really challenging, especially, I mean, inflation, food inflation right now is off the charts and so affordability is becoming a huge challenge if you've got a family of four in order to put healthy food on your family's table is not nearly as easy as it used to be mm-hmm. well, i mean staying on the political side we can get back to your cookbook but I, <laughs> we I, could I, talk about poop i think yeah. like, <laughs> subsidies have to change at some they point do. instead yeah. of subsidizing you know dairy meat and fast food and all these things like the true cost of a big mac is not you know two dollars if we were subsidizing you know food that's truly healthy for yeah. for individuals and communities then we can start to see see change but uh there's a lot of power in in big egg and and mm. uh meat and dairy and uh you know yeah. it hasn't it hasn't changed for to benefit communities it's benefited you know big corporations totally yeah but we can save that for, <laughs> for <Yeah>. another thought <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think going three. back to what we we're talking about though like the pattern versus plate, I think you can go macro on that. And it's mm-hmm. just about like being consistent, mm-hmm. whether that's like with your diet or with your sleep, like you were talking about, like how we feel with your running, Dean, like, you know, if you're not consistent with your running, it's going to be hard to go run 5k or 10k or a marathon. If you just like get off the couch once a month and you're like, I'm going to do my monthly marathon. Um, just finding like healthy habits that mm-hmm. you can be consistent with and have a pattern and you can have cheat days in every aspect. I mean, we don't even have to call them cheat yeah, days. Yeah, I was going to say, I like, would challenge you even on the cheat yeah, days. Like, yeah, what are you cheating yeah. from? Like, I to me, to me... Enjoyable days. Yeah. And and the idea is that the, the ice cream is not here. So here's a, a perspective shift. Yes. The ice cream is not acceptable because of your healthy diet. The ice cream is part of mm. your healthy diet. Yes. Because... Pleasure and enjoyment yes. are inherently healthy yeah. behaviors, 
right? And it is a bit of a, that is a bit of a shift yes. too. Like, no, these, these are actually part of your healthy diet for all of these reasons. Like you have to feel good. You have to feel relaxed. You have to have these opportunities for joy mm. in your life and in your diet. But yeah, consistency is such a huge yeah. thing. Well, on that joy side, I definitely prescribe to the uh, multiple cookies and multiple chocolates a day. <laughs> and uh, here's where we go, get into my personal questions. Uh, sugar cravings. This, yeah. It's in your book, so I thought we could do a little bit of crossover. My sugar cravings have been like through the roof, and I'm just like eating so much chocolate and so many cookies, and it brings great joy and happiness to my life, so I haven't like uh, curbed it in any way. But I'm like, am I going to get diabetes? Like, this is like getting out of control. <laughs> so can we talk about sugar cravings? Why why we get sugar cravings um, and sugar versus added sugars and how it like affects yeah. our gut? Yeah, totally. So let's start with the cravings. Um, so sugar cravings can come from a whole bunch of places. They can be really physiological um, in origin. So a great example is like when people first go on a plant-based diet, so often they'll simply remove the animal products mm -hmm. from their diet. And so if they had like a bolognese, now they have like tomato sauce and pasta. And after a while you're getting like carbs are wonderful, but your body does also need protein and fats that the animal foods used to provide. And so because of that, your blood sugars can be quite erratic. So when your blood sugars are spiking and crashing, that can cause sugar cravings because it doesn't matter how much you just ate, your, your body's a little bit more base than that. So it's like, oh, sugar spiked. Okay, that's fine. I worked. I got rid of it all. But now it crashed. I'm starving. And mm. so I don't die. I'm going to get you to eat the thing that's going to raise your blood sugars the right. fastest. So yeah, you're not craving raw almonds when your blood sugar bottoms out. You're craving something that's a fast sugar that's yep. going to get those sugars back up. So when people are craving sugars, that's the first thing I always do is like, look, are you getting your proteins in? Are you getting enough fiber? Are you getting healthy fats? Those things that are going to moderate blood sugar rise, keep keep the blood sugar like curve elongated so that your appetite and your energy levels are stable. The second thing that I always ask is, do you restrict those foods? Mm -hmm. That's always going to be the second thing. Like if it looks like people are eating a balanced diet, it's like, okay, do you have a history of restricting these foods? And then I will tell the person, eat these foods all the time. Okay. Like just eat them. Every single time you crave them, you eat them until they just... You still like them, but they just lose that grip um, because I think it is a really powerful thing to have a craving and to answer that craving. Mm -hmm. There's no reason, you know, we should be fighting any craving that we have. You know, there's a reason for it. There's some sort of reason for it. We can also, in the sugar cravings, it can be habitual, whether you just eat a lot of sugar and you're like, I like a lot of sugar, <laughs> so you're going to want those foods again. But even also, like if you're someone who always grew up with dessert, then you're just used to always having a sweet after a big meal. And uh, so That was my household, for sure. Yeah, so your body's going to be like, okay, the big meal is done, where's the sweet? Yeah. Right. Like it's just a natural habit. It's that habit stacking, you know, the power of habit that we all read. Yeah. That is the habit stack. You mm. have something sweet after a big meal. And so for you, you can just, you sort of like need to go inward and be like, does this still feel like a positive behavior for me? Or does it feel like it's like a little too much? Like we're veering into that this is my pattern not just like an occasional plate. And then sometimes you're like, okay, maybe every other day I enjoy something sweet that's more nutrient dense. So like I 
pop like frozen pineapple in my Vitamix and make like a dole whip kind of thing. Mm, Um, and then I have like the cake and cookies the next day, but it is really about like sort of ask being aware enough and also gentle enough with yourself to be like, so where is this coming from for me? And then what should I do about it? Mm. Yeah, because maybe it's you need to eat more protein, but maybe it's also that actually you need to eat more sweets, not less. <laughs> is there, that's perfect. Yeah, that's good. Is there is there like truth to the idea that like, okay, if you're craving something sweet, um, like the, the white sugars, the refined sugars are like terrible for you, don't consume them. Instead, like have a date or... You know, don't put sugar in something, put maple syrup or agave or something yeah. like that. Is that is that a trend that like you would say, yeah, do or just like have what you yeah. have? So, you know, my favorite sweeteners are always going to be the natural sweeteners. Like I love dates. I love maple syrup. Um, they're more flavorful. So, you know, when you use them versus white sugar in a recipe, you get sort of the added benefit of the flavor as Mm -hmm. well, which is part of your enjoyment, right? Like part of your experience of the food. And so I love using those and I use like maple syrup probably in most of my recipes. So I'll say that off the top. The other thing I also need to say is sugar is sugar. There are so many quote unquote healthy recipe developers who are like, these healthy cookies have a cup and a half of coconut sugar. And I was like, dude, like (laughs) it's the same as white. It's the same as white sugar. Right. Like sugar is sugar. Even a date has the equivalent, like a medjool date, they're pretty large, has the equivalent of three to four teaspoons of sugar. Wow. So is it different if I have like a date that has fiber and other nutrients, a part of it versus like having like a Coca-Cola that's like, just like sugar. So a date is a little different and and dates a unique example because it is still a fruit. So it is high in naturally occurring sugars, but there is some fiber in it as well. And so that is going to be a little different than having like a Coca-Cola. Um, but the rest of them, yeah. When people are like, oh, but they, you know, like coconut sugar has minerals. It's so small. Like you would have to eat a cup and a half of coconut sugar <laughs> to get any like minerals to speak of. Yeah. So my thing is sugar is sugar. So our body interprets like you might be yeah. reading coconut sugar, white sugar, mm-hmm. whatever. And your body's just like sugar. The only, the only difference slightly will be, um, more sort of fructose forward sugars yeah. like agave syrup. Your body's actually metabolizing that a little bit differently because fructose, when it is free fructose in food, so like table sugar is sucrose, which is a glucose and a fructose molecule bound together. So your body's got to like break that bond and then like absorb it. When you have like a really high fructose item like agave, which we get all up in arms about high fructose corn syrup in the wellness community, which is generally only 55% fructose, so very close to table sugar, Mm. agaves can be 80 or 90% fructose. Oh, wow. Yeah. Fructose bypasses your normal blood sugar regulation of like, take the sugar, insulin, sugar goes in the cells it goes straight to your liver and your liver is the one that deals with that. So while the, the research is, um, controversial, we'll say it's a little bit back and forth. There is some research to suggest that when you really hammer on the fructose specifically, 
So like high fructose corn syrup or something like agave all the time, your liver's at a little bit of a disadvantage and it could increase things like liver fats. Mm. Yeah. And you don't want that. No. Yeah. What about like so sweeteners like monk fruit yeah. or there's all these like sweeteners that are labeled healthy. Yeah. Um, are they healthy? Yeah. So my, my first thing with sugar is one, if you just want some sugar, have yeah. some sugar. Yes. Have a cookie. Preach. White sugar, go for it. Right. <laughs> and like, um, but then my second thing is, is can we unlearn our sweet tooth a little bit? Yeah. Um, so I would rather people consume regular sugar and have less of it. So if you get like a coffee drink, <coughs> then you get it half sweet. And right. it's going to taste weird for a couple of weeks, but your taste buds will actually adjust and right. it will feel sweet to you. So like, just like we learned our love of hypersweet foods, yes. we can unlearn it. Same thing in like a lot of baking recipes, you can take the sugar down by half a cup and just make them slightly less sweet and see how that goes. Right. Uh, artificial sweeteners or like these hypersweet like stevia. One of the challenges, if you just sort of make the swap is that you don't do anything about your preference for hypersweet foods. And if all day, every day you're like, sweet, 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 it makes this plate of roasted broccoli a little bit less attractive to you. So as a dietitian, I'm like, that's always something in the back of my mind. But mm -hmm. like stevia, monk fruit are really the two that I'm like, yeah, for sure. Like if you, particularly if you, you know, you have diabetes and you are really watching your carbohydrate count because you're dosing insulin, um, yeah, monk fruit, stevia, they're great. I really have no concerns about them. Okay, interesting. Great. So I can keep having a six pack of Olipop every day, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Olipop. But, <laughs> yeah. but how does your body do with all that inulin? <laughs> I know, right? It's so funny. I was never like a pop drinker growing up. I just didn't really like pop. Yeah. And now like there's these like quote unquote healthy pops like Poppy and Olipop and um, I have like one every single day now and I find myself like craving them. I'm like, what's happened That's to me? Gosh. You are, you are a sugar person. I'm, See, I'm so a salt person. Yeah, like I sugar like is like, too. Oh. <laughs> you just love it all. You're yeah. embracing just, life. Yeah. So Everything much, that so life's have love to offer. Does, right? yeah. When it comes to the light, <laughs> as long as it's plants, I don't discriminate. Perfect. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, there's so much that we want to get into on the gut. Maybe we can kind of kind of focus on that yeah. a little bit yeah uh, more plants happy gut um where should we start how, how do more plants equate to a healthy gut yeah so plants if you are interested in your gut health the most powerful thing you can do is eat more plants so plants help your gut in a whole bunch of ways and the first i mean it's fiber like we are so particularly in the plant-based community, we are so worried about protein. It's yes. like, no, we're good. Mm -hmm. I mean, like eat some chickpeas. Yes. Eat some tempeh. <laughs> yes. But like, we're good. The vast majority of folks still don't get enough fiber, even plant-based folks. Cause you're like, oh yeah, like I had like a salad and you know, I had this and that, like I ate a bunch of plants. I was like, okay, so that has very little fiber. Yeah. That has very little fiber. People are actually surprised that not all fruits and vegetables are actually really high in fiber. And particularly if people are avoiding grains, like grains are an incredible place to get fiber and legumes. Um, so we really need fiber. We need, you know, smaller, less active bodies, closer to 25 grams a day, larger, more active bodies, uh, closer to 38 grams a day. It's really like the more food you need, the more fiber mm -hmm. you need. And um, we need fiber, one, to help regulate elimination. Um, constipation is like 
bad. (laughs) There are way more people with constipation um, than there should be walking around. Uh, So we need to regulate elimination. Also, the fermentable nature of fibers is critical to feed the gut microbiome. We feed the gut microbiome. Sometimes they make gas. Other times, what we really want is for them to make short-chain fatty acids. These short-chain fatty acids help feed. Much of it is absorbed directly into the gut cell. So it helps feed and keep a strong gut barrier, helps uh, with cell turnover and cell metabolism, but they're also directly active on the immune system and the nervous system. So short chain, like fiber into short chain fatty acids, like that's the gold. The other thing with plant foods, of course, is that they're really high in like the vitamins and minerals we need to support our immune system. Like 70% of our immune system is in our gut. And so we really want that sort of connection between a functioning immune system and a functioning gut to go well. Like that's a very important relationship in our Mm -hmm. body. So we need to be well nourished, but also the phytochemicals that they contain, particularly flavonoids. Most phytochemicals, they've been a bit of an anomaly in the scientific research because we're like, these are great. They're antioxidant, they're anti-inflammatory. And they're like, wah, wah. Like we don't actually absorb most of them. Hmm. How the heck does that work? Like as many as like 90% of like the flavonoids you consume, like you're not actually absorbing them into your system. They're staying in your gut. They're interacting with the gut tissues and your gut microbiome and the microbiome is fermenting them turning them into more bioavailable components that can have an impact in your health, but then it's also nourishing the gut microbiome itself. Amazing. It's like a symphony. It is. And it all is like working together. And in some ways, like fiber is like the conductor, like orchestrating and providing this opportunity for like all of this stuff to happen. Yeah. And it's just so awesome. Like human nutrition, like most of our coursework is about like vitamins and minerals and like all of these kind of things. You do not digest and absorb fiber. Mm. It is the wildest thing in human nutrition. Technically it's an anti-nutrient. Like if anyone's ever heard like anti-nutrients, like lectins are bad. Fiber meets the definition of an anti-nutrient because you do not digest and absorb it. And it has the capacity to bind nutrients. Right. But it is like the most important thing. <laughs> like, it is emerging as one of the most powerful components of plant-based eating. So getting enough fiber, if you're plant-based, check in on your fiber. Like, are you eating whole grains? That Are you eating enough legumes on a daily basis? Because it's really going to move the needle. Mm. So for those, those listening, um, can you maybe shout out a couple things that are high fiber that are easy to add to the diet? And could you define microbiome for anyone that hasn't heard that term before? Yeah. So I'll often say like gut bacteria, gut flora, gut microbiome, and gut microbiota interchangeably. Generally, I'm always speaking about the bacteria that live in your gut primarily the bacteria that live in your colon. So we have not very many bacteria when things are going well, not very many bacteria in our stomach, not very many bacteria in our small intestine. Most of them live in the colon. So like 80 to 95% of the food you've eaten is already digested and absorbed and things move slowly in the colon. So it's a nice opportunity for a little bit of a bioreactor there, mm-hmm. which is what happens. And so when we say gut microbiome and use it in the correct way, which I don't always do, the microbiota is the tiny life. That's what microbiota means. Those are the bacteria themselves. The gut microbiome is those bacteria 
plus their phys- their genetic makeup and the physiological impact it has mm. on you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's go. good. <laughs> I, I, that's the new one, microbiome. Biota. Biota, yeah. Yeah. Sounds like the, the feminine version, if you were I know. <laughs> the biota and the yeah. biome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's Spanish, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if we want to add some more um, good sources of fiber to create a healthy micro, gut microbiome, yeah. uh, what are some like add-ons that we can add to our diet? So legumes are the top of the heap. Yep. So lentils, chickpeas, black beans, I highly recommend people eat them every single day. Um, whole grains. Yep. And this is really big because we have demonized whole grains, you know, like everything's gluten-free or I don't do grains because I don't do carbs. Well, yeah. kale's a carb. Like I hate to break it to you. Kale's a carb. Yes. <laughs> so, um, but whole grains like that. oats, Oats are fantastic. Yeah. Oats in particular contain a soluble fiber known as beta-glucan, which is highly fermentable. They are for highly available to your gut bacteria. Great thing. You want it. I also really love wheat berries and barley, two gluten-containing grains yeah. that a lot of people don't consume, but they are very high in protein very high in fiber. Like they're what I call the high chew carbohydrates. Like they're chewy, they're yeah. chewy and they're dense. They're super filling. They're really delicious, but they're way more nutrient dense than people expect. Like so many minerals, like they're rich in iron, like everything. So if you're not celiac or gluten intolerant, way more wheat berries and mm. like barley in your life. I don't know if I've ever had wheat berries. They look like brown rice, really. They look like sort of short grain, darker brown rice. Okay. Um, flourist, like they've got like good Canadian wheat berries and spelt and camut. They're all sort of in that same That's family. Okay. Um, yeah. And they're just, they're much higher in protein than quinoa because we all love quinoa, right? We're like quinoa, a- protein. Wheat berries have more. So, oh, wow. It's so funny how we're like... Mm white rice, brown rice, quinoa, but there's so many grains. Yeah. Like there's like, if you explore the grain aisle in the grocery <laughs> store, there's, there's a, a lot more than two options. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And, and that speaks to that diversity piece too. Like we talked about the importance of fiber for your gut microbiome, but diversity is also critical. And you know, the work that they did that they started with the American gut project, we saw that people who ate more than 30 different plant foods a week had far more robust and diverse gut microbiomes than people who ate fewer than 10. And that's not fruits and vegetables, you know, like that is all of the plants. So if you always eat quinoa, eat millet. Like if you always have brown rice, try wheat berries, like just sort of like get into that idea of like cycling through. If you always have lentils, have like white beans, you know, it, we don't have to vary how we eat too much. We can just sort of vary the little components and Mm. it's really easy to get 30 plant foods. Like even in just like a, a simple smoothie, like, okay, so I'm going to do some soy milk. I'll do some blueberries. I'll do some banana. I'll do some spinach. I'll do some hemp hearts. Like there's five plant foods already. Right away. Yeah. Yeah. I love that because you can kind of take, everyone likes to make bowls. You can take Mm -hmm. your base, like say you love, you know, these five things in your bowl, just change the base every couple of weeks. Exactly. Yeah. Introducing some new nutrients and diversity to that, that microbiome. So good. Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned, uh, lentils, black beans, uh, chickpeas. I think I know what you might say, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, does it make a difference if you're eating them? Should you be eating like them from the can? 
should you be getting them in the big bag and soaking yeah. them and doing it? Like what, what would you, if you, in a perfect world, what would you get people to do? Um, in a perfect world, I would just get people to eat them. So whatever form means it's like exercise, right? Like yes. when's the best time, whichever time you'll do it. So same thing. So if canned beans means you will consume them every day, go for it. Right. I always just look for no salt added, yeah. especially because they don't even taste. I mean, if they tasted delicious and salty, I'd be like, okay, put the salt in the beans, but they don't. Right. So no salt added beans, rinse them really well. That will help with like flatulence too. The other thing I'll say about beans is if you're new to beans, start slow. You can't like all of a sudden eat a cup of beans every day because in a week you're going to be like, that dietitian I heard on that podcast was an <laughs> idiot. I feel terrible. Because <laughs> so it, like, right? it turns people off, right? They'll, yeah. they'll have beans and then they'll be like, I'm gassy, my stomach hurt. And they'll never go back to beans. Yeah. yeah. And you know, when I talk about that in the book, but like, I mean, just like you said, like, oh, I'm just going to run my once monthly marathon. Yes. Like just like you wouldn't expect, oh, I've been sitting on the couch for a year. I'm going to run a marathon tomorrow. Yeah. Like you don't say, oh, I've been like eating nothing but like white bread all year. And now I'm going to eat a cup of beans a day. Like yep. it's going to be a disaster. Like you have to train your <laughs> yeah. gut for the high fiber plant life, the same way you train your legs for a marathon. Yeah. It's so good Slow, though. Steady, slow and steady. But I, I've had the conversation with people like, I don't get it. Like you eat all of these beans, like it's lentil chickpeas all in one. And I did that. I made that for dinner and like, I was so bloated and so uncomfortable. And how do you do? I can't eat like that. Yeah. And it's like, well, that's cause you went from <laughs> zero to 60. Like yeah. obviously. Yeah. So it's take it take it slow one, one bite at a time. Yeah. And your gut loves routine. So like if yeah. your gut had its way, you would wake up and go to sleep at exactly the same time. You would eat the same foods. Mm. I mean, it doesn't necessarily know what's good for it because you shouldn't just only eat the same foods ever, but like you would eat the same foods at the same time of day. Like it loves consistency. It has a really strong circadian rhythm as does your gut microbiome. Mm. Um, but yeah, so as soon as you make changes, you have to expect there's going to be like a concurrent change in how your gut functions. So you just got to take it slow. And I, I do this with, um, something I call my daily three, um, which I talk about in the book. And if anyone's done my challenges, you've heard the daily three week one is always daily three weeks. What are the daily three? Yeah. So it is three foods that I think we don't eat enough of that really move the needle for people's health. So the first is greens. I advocate for two cups of a green thing every day. Uh, the second is omega-3 rich seeds. So either hemp, chia, or flax, because we got to get those omegas every single day. Yes. And then the third is beans. And when we start, it's like, no, you got to choose your adventure. So if you're a noob, it's a quarter cup. And people want to do more. And I was like, don't do more. Yeah, yeah. It's just a quarter cup. The goal is no symptoms. <laughs> and so like once they've done that for a couple of weeks, then they move up to a half a cup. Once that's feeling really good, but it is consistency. It's like, no, you can't do this twice a week. It is every single day. And when it's a quarter cup, it's easy because you can literally just toss them on anything. It's mm -hmm. like, what did I eat for dinner? I tossed on my beans. So I love the daily three. So what are, so that's one of my throw-ins every day. I just like smoothie, oatmeal, whatever I add in the chia hemp flax. And yeah. I just like, you know, set it and forget it and feel good. But what are, what are omegas good for? Like what is, what is it doing within our body? Yeah. Omega-3 fatty acids are called an essential fatty acid. And whenever we say the word essential in nutrition, it means your body can't make it. It has to consume it from food. And so omega-3 fatty acids are a type of polyunsaturated fatty acid, which means they have a couple double bonds in their chemical structure. So they like, they don't just sit flat. So, um, omega-3 fatty acids are 
critical for a whole bunch of things. The first is appropriate inflammatory response. Our thinking has changed a lot on the whole omega-3, omega-6 thing. Like back when I started 10 years ago, we were like, oh, omega-6s were pro-inflammatory. Like don't eat them. Um, That doesn't actually seem to be the case. It hasn't really panned out in the human uh, clinical research. But what we do know is we eat way more omega-6s, which are also essential so the goal is not zero because wellness be still be telling lies. So like, <laughs> the goal is not zero, uh, that's good. but sometimes we get like 40 times the amount of omega six right. versus omega three. Cause it's not found in very many foods. It's really, it's those three seeds plus walnuts, like for meaningful amounts, like that's it. So omega threes are critical for building cell membranes. So we incorporate omega threes into the membranes of almost each and every one of our cells and those the way we build those cell membranes changes how those cells communicate with each other and how they interact with their environment. So it's Mm. really actually very critical in addition to their role in inflammatory responses in the body. Um, they're also really important for like, um, our visual health as well, which is why, um, for most folks, I just say eat those seeds, but for, uh, adults who are pregnant, omega long chain omega threes become really important. So I recommend that people who are pregnant get DHA as well as their daily seeds, but that they get a source of that long chain DHA for the the retinal development and nervous system development. That's crazy. And that's the ones that you can, you can get it in like, um, from algae, right? Is that, that's where the fish get it. Yeah. We're just cutting out the middleman. Right. Which is, Cut out that middleman. Cut the middleman. Yeah, like so many of so many of these things. I mean, it's the same thing with B twelve. Like we we assume that because animal foods are the source of this nutrient in our diet, that they somehow do some sort of alchemy in their bodies that we can't do. But that's not actually the case. Like fermentation from bacteria creates B twelve that accumulates in animal tissues, and when we eat those animal tissues, we get that B twelve. Mm. But fermentation, I mean. Nutritional yeast. <laughs> Fermentation can create B12. We don't need to take our B12 from an animal source because we can get supplements that are made through other means. And it's the same thing with the omega 3s. Fish get it from accumulating omega 3 from the algae. We can get it directly from the algae. Yeah. yeah. Go to the source. Direct, direct to the source. So much more sustainable. Right. 100%. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk about uh, fermented foods because those I hear, I see on the internet. Fermented foods, good for the gut. Uh, are there ones that are like better? Are there some that are like, okay, yes, but maybe in limited qualities, what's 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 the good word on fermented uh, foods in our gut? Fermented foods are awesome and there is like so much misinformation in the marketing about them. Surprise, surprise. As always, I know, I know. There's lots of, it's always lots of nuance. It's always a very like somewhere in the middle, very boring dietitian answer. <laughs> um, but like, so like for me, I want people to eat fermented foods. If you can get some sort of fermented food in your life every day, that's fantastic. But we have to understand what they are. Mm-hmm. Um, they are generally made from plants, which is fantastic because, as we talked about with polyphenols, fermentation can change the nature of those plant foods, enhance bioavailability of certain nutrients, make new nutrients. So that's really cool. Yeah. But they are not the same as taking a probiotic. Um, and the reason for that is, well, total lack of control. Like, you know, you have like, 17 sauerkraut companies and I can't tell you like what the dosage of bacteria or even the kinds of bacteria that are in them because they are ambient, right? Like we're getting these things from our environment. 
The other thing that's really interesting and that I find interesting because a lot of health professionals are moving away from probiotics because the research is some for, some against. Um, But then in the next breath, they're being like, so eat fermented foods. And I'm like, okay, if we're taking evidence-based approach on this, (laughs) actually there are almost no fermented foods with clinical human trials to suggest they do anything for us. Interesting. Yeah, so the big one is kimchi. Yeah. Huge. And a, a large part of why we have that research is because we have an amazing community that's used to eating kimchi daily and that will eat large volumes because that's the other part of this equation. It's like a tablespoon of something is generally not going to have a huge impact. Right. Whereas like the, the clinical research that was done on kimchi, like the control was still like a little bit of kimchi. It was like, you know, like a quarter cup of kimchi a day <laughs> versus like two cups. Yeah. You know, so we've seen that like kimchi can do things like improve blood pressure, improve, improve blood sugars, improve blood cholesterol. That's pretty cool. But like, are you going to eat two cups a day? If you are fantastic. The other thing I will note is that it's really high in salt and that can have an issue like a negative effect for your gut microbiome, also for your stomach lining. So countries where there is a high intake of like high salt fermented foods, um, stomach cancer can actually be a thing. So just worthwhile noting. Um, So generally fermented foods, I say we don't have a lot of research, but eat them. They're good, healthy plant foods. They're great. It doesn't hurt. Mm -hmm. Um, You just might need a probiotic. If something happens, like you get IBS, you might need something stronger. The only sort of like asterisks to that is that very recently, because even when I wrote Good for Your Gut, like did a review of the literature, I was like, yeah, we still pretty much have no research on fermented foods. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, like eat them delicious. I don't need research on a banana to tell me that it's good for me. I'm just going to eat it. I know it's good for me. Yeah. But then there was some research out of Stanford that just came out. Um, and it's the first time we've seen that fermented foods could potentially have an impact on your gut microbiome. And they put, uh, pit them against fiber. So they increased fiber for six weeks and they increased fermented foods for six weeks and the fermented foods won. Really? Wow. And part of it could be, and it came from the Sonnenbergs who are like, you know, microbiome royalty. Uh, So part of it could have been in that short term. Maybe the increase in fiber might've taken a longer time to shift. It's possible. Right. So yeah. So, so what yeah, would okay. the fiber content be in fermented foods anyways? Like wouldn't like uh, sauerkraut and kimchi have fiber in it as yeah. well? So it depends what you make them out of, right? Like yeah. if you make a Brussels sprouts, like kimchi based kimchi, well, Brussels sprouts have six grams of fiber per cup. Um, and if you're like, wow, how does she know that? Only because like I literally wrote that today <laughs> for like a piece of content. I love it. Because <laughs> I do not remember everything. Yeah. I have to look them up too. Um, so yeah, so like if you're starting from a high fiber plant food and you yes. ferment it, yeah, Just then like you're going to have a whammy. Totally. Mm. So you touched on probiotics there. Can we, going back to Olipop, because, yeah. uh, you know, I just want to feel good about my choices here. <laughs> um, we've got all these prebiotic sodas, mm-hmm. prebiotic drinks, all these functional products coming out. Um, can we chat about prebiotics and probiotics and the best forms and kind of what they're doing for our gut? Yeah. You know, I actually have it on my list to do a post about Olipop because I do. (laughs) And you're like, oh no, what are you going to say? Drink it. It's fine. (laughs) TLDR. No, but only, only because what I'm starting to see is all these sodas and then even all these candies that are like, we're high fiber. Yes. But. Sneaky. 
they're soluble corn fibers, they're yeah. like inulins, they're yeah. all of these kind of things. So if, you know, like if this candy has quote unquote 40 grams of fiber yeah. and it was like dietary fiber, yeah. you wouldn't probably feel so happy after eating it. So what I really <laughs> want to look into is these fibers and like what the research says on like how much they are functioning uh, to improve elimination like a dietary fiber does because they probably aren't mm. um, but they may still be boosting your microbiome you know okay. especially for things like inulin like if something contains inulin that is like our best researched prebiotic okay so we have really good data to show that like if you consume between 15 and f- uh, 5 and 15 grams of inulin a day that will actually drive the growth so my six pack, I've got it covered. <laughs> yeah, I see. You're like, so now Desiree said that I can just drink the whole six pack. Yeah. <laughs> drink an Olipop cleanse, okay? <laughs> we'll you know I would goes. choose root beer. Yeah. What okay. flavor would I do? So I would choose good. root beer. Okay, so you and prebiotics. What, yeah. are, what are the prebiotics doing for us? Why yeah. are they important? And then let's get into the probiotics. Yeah. What is that doing for our digestive system and why is yeah. it important? So like the equation is prebiotics feed probiotics and they make postbiotics. So the prebiotics are the food. Okay. They are the inulins that don't necessarily function as dietary fibers. So it's not like cereal fiber that is going to act like a broom, sweep your gut lining clear, help add bulk to the stools, help you go. Inulin doesn't actually work like that. It is going to be heavily fermented in the colon. And so you ferment, you feed, you hopefully drive the growth of great bacteria and make those short chain fatty acids, which are the postbiotics. So probiotics are the actual bacteria that get fed. And by feasting on the food, they ferment and they make the short chain fatty acid. Those are postbiotics. Like visualizing that like a little cartoon or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm like helping like my oldest with their math homework all the time. So I'm like, oh, what's the number equation? Like what's the, yeah, math equation there? I'm like, that's what it is. It's like the prebiotics plus uh, probiotics equals Equals. postbiotics. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's very good. And when we feed, like whether it's with a prebiotic or fiber or these good foods, when we feed our, you know, I've heard to say like feed your gut biome, yeah. like the good foods. And then the idea is like our, our, the probiotics are consuming that good stuff yeah. and then kind of like creating like their byproduct is actually what we want. Yes. And that's why like striving for a healthy gut is really important. So what we put in it feeds us, yes, but it also we want to make sure that we're feeding the, those the, our microbiome so that in turn it can like produce this good stuff. Exactly, you know, and you know it's, it's like we're feeding two mouths. I mean, they don't have mouths, but you know, yeah. hyperbole. <laughs> we're feeding two mouths now because we're yeah. feeding the stuff that we're going to digest and absorb, uh, and then what we don't digest and absorb goes on to feed them. And mm-hmm. so what's left over, the residue of what's left over from our diet, is really, really critical. Like we don't want a bunch of like saturated fat and like undigested protein in there, and it, that will always be very small. But like f- we know that. Uh, in particular, a high saturated fat diet is not great for our gut microbiome, but it is remarkable the the connection between fiber and our gut bacteria and how they improve our health. Like fiber, in addition to it being fermented and making those short chain fatty acids, we also know that there are certain kinds of gut bacteria because we have like our gut barrier is, you know, 
the outer edge is really delicate. It's just a single cell thick. We have a whole bunch of other mechanisms that act as the barrier, like our acidic stomach, all those kind of things. It all works together. But we have this single cell lining in our gut, and then our body secretes a mucus on top of it. Like this is the kind of, it's not the blow your nose mucus. Like this is a good mucus Mm -hmm. because it's, it's thick near the cell and it gets sort of thinner and more watery as it gets into the like gut space. You have types of bacteria that given the choice, they'll eat fiber, but if you starve them, they'll go after that mucus. And that mucus is critical to keep your gut bacteria away from your actual gut lining. And that's important because if you have 70% of your immune system entangled in your gut, and it's always looking for problems, like you literally have trillions of bacteria in your gut, like how does your immune system not always try to kill them? Yeah. Well, part of it is because what keeps the immune system calm is this mucus barrier. So it's like, well, the gut cell's healthy, it's safe, I'm not worried, But as soon as you rob these bacteria of fiber, they look for carbohydrates other places, like your gut mucus, they now expose your gut cells to like everything that's in your gut and your immune system totally can start to freak out. Like there are so many little instances of like how these pieces all fit together that Mm -hmm. it's, it's wild. Interesting. So I wonder, I mean, obviously, you know, this is not like medical advice, but I'm, I'm just thinking of like, I know some people who have been diagnosed with something like a fibromyalgia where yeah. they have all of these crazy immune responses and, you know, doctors and like our medical conventional medical system is like, well, we know that there's lots of symptoms. We know there's lots wrong with you, but we don't really know what's causing it. So we're going to give you this diagnosis that's helpful, but not helpful for a lot of people. I wonder how much of that would be like, are they looking into like our GPs, doctors, would they look into something like that? Like, oh, you're the, the mucus that's protecting, you know, your keeping your immune system from your gut biome is like not where it needs to be. So let's address that and see if this helps with some of the symptoms. Yeah. Like, you know, the re the research is investigating all of these things, what trickles down and what gets actioned upon at the clinical level is always a little different because normally you need to get to this really big critical mass. Yeah. But there is some evidence, some evidence. It is not as cut and dried as some practitioners would have you believe. Okay. But there is some evidence connecting gut barrier. So AKA leaky gut, but that dysfunction of the gut barrier, because just like you said, if the gut barrier falters, the immune system freaks out. Um, You can, there are, things that can pass through now to your bloodstream and to your immune system that aren't supposed to be there. Mm -hmm. Um, For example, in the colon, you have a type of bacteria called gram-negative bacteria. They are the kind of bacteria that don't like oxygen because you're far from oxygen there. They, if they get passed through or if something on their cell coating called an endo, a lipopolysaccharide uh, passes through, that can incite an immune response. And so there is research investigating things like fibromyalgia and gut barrier function and levels of what we call endotoxins or the lipopolysaccharides that are potentially passing through the gut space. It's messy. Yeah. We have way more questions than answers now. And what I caution against for anyone hearing this is that there are people out there who will be like, oh, if you have fibromyalgia, you have leaky gut, eliminate gluten, and then go on this hyper-restrictive diet. There is zero dietary therapy 
for gut barrier dysfunction. Like there's no leaky gut diet. It doesn't exist. We don't have the research to validate it. And if I were to hazard my best guess based on like my experience and all the research that I've read, it is the opposite. So Mm. it is fiber. Like don't go ditching gluten because you're going to have a real hard time getting the fiber you need to get the right bugs to repair that gut barrier and to potentially start to feel better for whatever part of that is. Maybe that's 5% of you know, what's going on with you or 10%, Yeah, you want the fiber. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. That's so, I, I thank you for, for taking that. Cause it was kind of like an out there one, but uh, yeah, I think it's so important. And even just hearing like, you know, going back to earlier in the conversation where we talk about like sugary foods or treats, quote unquote treats. And we'd say we demonize those foods. Like it's interesting that gluten has become a huge target. Like if there's, if you don't feel well, oh, you should like, first thing, like eliminate gluten or maybe you're celiac. Like we just jump to that right away and like make these kind of armchair diagnosis versus like actually trying to source with someone who knows like yourself, right? Like what might be going on here and what should I do versus what shouldn't I do? And we listen to the wrong person, like always, you know, like it's because the, the people who have no business giving medical advice are typically the people who are best at creating a very alluring hook, you know? And, you know, it's, it was like sugar, like we were talking about earlier. We were like, oh, sugar, like, is disastrous for your gut microbiome. You need to be 100% sugar-free. Well, we don't really have research for that either, yeah. you know? And believe me, I have looked. Like, <laughs> I have read, like, thousands of studies <laughs> over the years. And we have research to show, again, pattern over plate, coming back to this pattern over plate, that a dietary pattern that is high in fat, particularly saturated fat and sugar. So those two things together, not good Mm -hmm. for the gut microbiome. We also have research to show us that the Western quote unquote dietary pattern, high fat, high sugar, high salt, low fiber, also disaster. I mean, surprise, not surprised. Right. But we don't have any research to say, okay, so you're like a normal person, like just eating a healthy diet. You eat lots of fiber. You eat lots of fruits and vegetables. You also like cookies. <laughs> you don't have that research. And I would suspect that if we did do the research, it would be like, you're fine. Right. I mean, it's... Big sigh of relief over here. <laughs> yeah. Because when we come down to it, like your body is designed to heal and repair. Right. On a daily basis. It requires the inputs, which is why positive nutrition approaches are so much more important because like you need that zinc, like your gut cells need that zinc. If you don't get that zinc from, you know, lentils or hemp hearts, that's a problem because that is critical for gut cell metabolism. That is critical for your immune system. It can't do its job without that mineral. Mm. But if you eat a bit of sugar, no one cares. I mean, sugar is, you know, particularly for the gut microbiome, the thing that I find most astounding If you aren't aware of like the physiology of it, sugar is really easy to absorb. Some people have a sucrase isomaltase deficiency. So some people actually do malabsorb sugars. They probably think they have IBS right now. It's actually a deficiency of that enzyme. But for the rest of us, it's real easy to absorb table sugar. So like if we absorb it into our bloodstream, it is not in the gut. It is not interacting with the gut tissues, it is not interacting with our gut microbiome. Therefore, it is a non-issue. Right, yeah. It's a non-issue. Doesn't make it, doesn't make it down there. Yeah. <laughs> if, they never, if they never see it, they can't munch it. Right. So. Okay. Okay. 
Well, Dean, when you say what does make it down there, maybe we can get into the nitty gritty that people sometimes uh, shy away from, but I know you don't. Poops, <laughs> farts, toots. Yeah, yeah never TMI yeah. in here. <laughs> so um, we, we get a lot of these at the juice truck. People want, you know, supplements for bloating, supplements mm-hmm. for gas. Um, maybe we can talk a little bit about simple fixes for, for troublesome gas. Yeah. Uh, what causes bloating? How many poops should we have in a day? Ooh. Just kind of some of these, you all know. All the hits. All the hits. Like, you know? all the things I like to talk know? about. <laughs> <laughs> Those are his greatest okay. hits. Let's go. <laughs> Put that record on. Yeah. yeah. And yet I still got mad at my kids for poop jokes around the dinner table. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also a hypocrite. Okay, uh, let's start with an easy one. How many poops should you have every single day? Yeah. Um, that's waste. Let's get rid of it daily. Okay. Um, that is my, you know, like hot take. The actual official like sort of like word on this is normal bowel movements are anywhere from three times a day to three times a week. Okay. I challenge that because a lot of what we call normal is merely common. Okay. And the research that was done to arrive at those numbers was done on just like average Joes. Hmm. Well, we know the average Joe doesn't consume enough fiber for optimal gut health. Like we're still hovering at about 16 grams of fiber a day. And back when this research was done, I bet we didn't even get that. Right. So if like, just like average folks are going anywhere three times a day to three times a week, like I'm worried about three times a week because it is waste. Yeah. We want it to move. So for me, if you move your bowels daily and then it feels okay to you. So like you don't have a problem with urgency. It's like formed. Uh, it's not hard to pass. Like it's not difficult to actually go. I think you're fine. And are there things like I take magnesium every night mm-hmm. and it helps me sleep, but it also keeps me regular. Yeah. Um, are there things like <laughs> magnesium that um, you would recommend people taking? Should I be taking magnesium every day? Um, huge bias. I can't live without magnesium. Okay. So I'm going to cool. go ahead and say, yeah, cool. you should cool. totally cool. take Thanks. it. Well, we um, magnesium. I can't. Check, check. My, my nervous system cannot live without magnesium and L-theanine. Yeah. Those are the two things that keep me sleeping. Yes. <laughs> like my nervous system going. If I can't sleep, I'm like, either it's a full moon or I forgot to take magnesium. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. We're at a full moon. Yeah. Tomorrow. Yeah, Here tomorrow. Not going to sleep. Um, so it depends on the form of magnesium. So yeah, magnesium citrate is a great option and it's usually in a nice little drink form. So if you're like, it could be better a little bit of magnesium before you go to bed at night, because our our bodies are, a lot of our physiology wants us to have a morning constitutional. Like when we wake up, there are really strong. So we have these like waves that go through the rest of our digestive tract after we've eaten. So when we're in the fasted state in between meals, But we have these really strong ones called mass movements that specifically uh, target the colon. Those happen really well in the morning. So our bodies are kind of like, so yeah, magnesium at night, that can be really great. Of course, fiber. Yeah. Uh, Water is a really critical thing. How much water should we be drinking? Yeah. uh, And when? Yeah. So all day, every day. I mean, probably you probably want to stop at a certain time in the night, Yeah. particularly um, if you're a little bit older, because otherwise you're just going to have to pee in the middle of the night. You don't want that. So like maybe if you're doing really well, maybe stop by dinner. Okay. Depending. Everyone's different. How much you need to drink is so movable. 
body size, activity level, humidity, temperature, the other foods you're eating. Yes. Uh, Plant foods have a lot of water. Perspiration. Yeah. Oh, I'm a sweater. I'm a big sweater. Yeah. Oh, I'm a sweater. (laughs) Totally. So like my body, I need, I find that my baseline is about three liters a day. Okay. That is more than I would recommend someone drink, but that's what I need. Two liters a day, I feel like the Sahara Desert. Yeah. So it's more about drink and then the best sort of indicator is the water coming out of you. Okay. If it's, if you're going every couple of hours and it's like light in color, you're fine. And it's nice cause it's a, it, except for like, you know, taking B vitamins that make your urine really yellow. It's a nice indicator cause it just moves with you. Right. Like you can always just check. Oh ah, yeah, I'm fine. Oh no, I should drink some more water. <laughs> like right. it's a really nice sort of instant feedback. <laughs> Built in. Built, exactly. Built yeah. in. So <laughs> Pooping daily. Mm-hmm. That's that's a go-to. More water, more fiber. Yeah. Um, magnesium is is uh, thumbs up for that. Are there yeah. is there anything else that um, can help keep people regular if they're on the more constipated side of the spectrum? Yeah, if you're on the constipated side, and you know, generally it seems like fiber is pretty good. There's a couple I like prunes work. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. It's not sexy, but like prunes work. Let's Both, make prunes sexy. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think they try to. They call them dried plums now. Oh, Right? Okay. I mean, yeah, wow. it sounds a little Give different. Some of those dried plums. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they're really high in antioxidants too. They're actually way healthier than people give them credit for. So they're high in fiber, but there's actually, um, there are substances in the prunes that um, draw water. We call them osmotic sugars. So they draw water to them and that's really helpful. Two kiwis a day has also been shown oh, wow. in the research to be effective. Skin. Do you eat the skin of the kiwi? I totally do. Okay. Yeah. People don't know that you can eat the you skin. You can eat I the know. skin. I know. Yeah. It's so, yeah. You just like give it a rub. Yeah. And, yeah. It's kind of like a peach. Yeah. It is totally. Yeah. And it's like really thin skin. Yeah. So yes, two kiwis a day has been shown in the research to help you go. Okay. Um, the other thing that I love is psyllium. Psyllium. Psyllium husk? Yeah. Psyllium husk because ground psyllium, it just gels too hard, yep. which is maybe fine for certain applications, but... Put it in your oatmeal, put it in your smoothie, drink your smoothie right away. Yeah. But it does, it forms a gel. So it's it's not very fermentable. This okay. is the one time when not being fermentable is a good thing because if you're constipated and you make a lot of gas, the gas doesn't have anywhere to go. Mm. A lot of bloating yeah. is actually constipation. Okay. So psyllium will give you the fiber that will gel things together, hold water, make it easier to pass without being too fermenty okay. so that you don't like get a bunch of gas and feel miserable. Yeah. Yeah. So on that gassy side, what are some, what are some simple fixes for troublesome gas? Yeah. <laughs> so the first thing I've got to say is that gas is normal. Yeah. And the better you do at eating lots of fiber and eating lots of plants, like gas is just going to be a part of your life. Yeah. Um, but if you've trained your body for it, sometimes you just go through periods where it just, it is, it's troublesome and it's yeah. smelly or it just seems like it's too much yeah. or it's painful. Um, and always I'll check, are you going to the bathroom? Yeah. Are you drinking water? If you eat a lot of sulfur containing vegetables, um, that could be if you're like, I have really smelly sort of eggy toots. Yeah. Do you eat a lot of cabbage cauliflower? Yeah. <laughs> like if you eat the crucifers, which I highly suggest that you do, yeah. they have um, sulfur-based compounds that sort of lend that delightful sulfury <laughs> scent. A little more perfume. A little more perfume, yeah. um, which you will also... Which you will also adapt to. Um, it's really weird, but there are some bacteria that eat other bacteria's gas, and like yeah, so like some bugs 
eat other bugs farts. And so if they do that, you will fart less. So that's a good thing. (laughs) Um, but movement is really important. So if you find you're really gassy, um, like Marilyn Smith, Canadian treasure, she calls it a fart walk, a gentle walk, walk. like vigorous activity is going to do the opposite because it's going to shuttle blood flow to your extremities so that you can do your intense activity and away from the gut. Like if you're interesting, mm -hmm, it's really, I mean, gosh, I went to Legree at like after dinner a couple of weeks ago and I thought I'd done it right. Nope. I was like, <laughs> I am trying not to like toss my cookies this entire 40 minute class. <laughs> oh, no. So yeah. So when you do a really vigorous workout, yeah. blood flow goes to the extremities away yeah. from the digestive tract. Like the body's efficient. It's yeah. like, I can't do both, mm-hmm. but a gentle walk after yeah. a meal, especially if you like really deal with gas if you sit all day as well, that yeah. can be something else. Like you're actually compressing the abdomen. And if you do so in tight waistbands, yeah. you're literally cutting off the flow of gas. Yeah. And so if you find like you're sitting all day, like a gentle 15 minute walk after lunch can be enough to just movement begets movement, help um, pass things along. The other thing that can really help, particularly if it's painful and feels like it's not moving is abdominal d- massage. Like okay. I, I describe how to do it yeah. in the book, but even just like yoga twists, yeah. like some yoga based twists, right. cat cow, like just sort of get that flexion in the torso too can really help. But massage can really help as well. And, um, ginger is really great as well to get things moving. Ginger is prokinetic. So ginger after a meal too. And then if you find that it's also like, again, back to the painful, um, it could be just intestinal spasm and we use peppermint oil for that. Okay. Not essential oil, really critical not to take essential oil internally unless you're, you know, under the guidance of an herbalist, but enteric coated peppermint oil is a pharmaceutical grade peppermint oil. Um, and it's an antispasmodic. So it helps relax the smooth muscle of the gut because, of course, your gut is surrounded in a muscular tube, and that can provide people with a lot of relief. And then what if you're on the other side of things and you have diarrhea all the time? Yeah. So psyllium is magic because it can help on either side of the spectrum. Mm. Because it binds things up, it can also bind that up. But constipation often makes sense for how people live. They're stressed. They don't eat enough fiber, don't drink enough water. Diarrhea is always telling you that something's a little bit wrong. Okay. If it happens randomly, like a day or two, and then it's gone, nothing to worry about. You could have just been really stressed or you could have had a a little bit of a bug issue on something that you ate, but it wasn't big enough to like be a full blown, full blown, like food poisoning situation. Um, if it lasts longer than seven days, always go to your doctor. Um, people get it really often after taking antibiotics because the antibiotics wipe out the good bacteria, the bad ones come to play, uh, and it's, you have to write that balance again. Um, but yeah, diarrhea always get checked out Okay, longer than seven days, always go to the doctor. So diarrhea is a little flag. Go mm-hmm. get things checked out. Yeah. A little indicator that there might be something going on. Yeah. Cause it's, there's just like no benign the closest thing to a benign reason for diarrhea, which be more like loose stools, is some foods like prunes. Like if you really did like hit those prunes, <laughs> those dried plums those hard. Dried plums, yeah. um, and then some <laughs> vegetables like collard greens, yeah. same thing. They have stimulatory sugars yeah. okay. that I mean, it's like loose like bowels after collard greens. Like it's just it's yeah. well known that yeah. they loosen up the bowels. So, yeah. yeah, if you had a lot of greens, that might be it. <laughs> 
but then that should go away yeah. once. For me, so. it's like that first that first batch of local blueberries when I get the ten pound oh, yeah. box and then <laughs> and you <laughs> eat like I kind half of have it. a problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you can connect it to like one specific, you're like, oh no, I get this. Yeah. But yeah, diarrhea for seven days. Always go see your doctor. Mm-hmm. Go get it looked at. There's a there's an Italian term that I learned like last summer, passeggiata. Have you ever heard of that? No. And it's, it's beautiful. I mean, it's Italian, so it's beautiful. It sounds amazing. But it's the Does concept. It no, it means uh, it means like uh, after. An, usually in the evening, but it's like an after meal stroll. Mm. And the idea is it's just like short, it's like 10, 15 minutes. Like it's not a, it's not like you're going for a walk. It's not Mm. exercise. Um, but just, it came to mind when you said about the going for a stroll, like after meal, I was like, pass the giata, pass the gasa. It's so, <laughs> right? so much yeah. nicer than a fart walk. Right? Yeah. Like, what are you re-brand. doing? Yeah, <laughs> rebrand the fart walk, pass the giata. Thank you, Italy. Right? It's like, it's so much more um, They <laughs> like do everything delicate. better. It's yeah. true. Yeah. Goes well with the heritage dried plums, you know. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so we covered the the farts, the poops. What about the bloating? Bloating is so... The one thing that I want people to take away, and they're (laughs) going to hate me for it, is bloating is so complex. Okay. Everyone thinks that there's going to be this magic solution to their bloating. Yeah. Honestly, there's like 15 different reasons why someone can be bloated at any one time. And so, you know, A... What's normal versus common? Like it's totally normal to get bloated from time to time. Yeah. Especially if you eat a lot of plants. Like every once in a while, you just be like, say you were stressed that day and like all that fiber, you're like, oh, okay, I'm bloated today. It'll be on tomorrow. Um, but constipation is a major yep. cause because if things aren't moving, things aren't moving. Because yeah. we make liters of gas a day. It's got to go somewhere. Yeah. If it doesn't, you can be bloated. Uh, inflammation can be a source of bloating as well. Um, inflammation draws water to it okay. um, and can cause an actual visible swelling yeah. in the gut. Um, there are other reasons that are more physiological, like particularly for me, uh, I'm over 40. I've had two kids. My like abdominal muscles, not as tight as they used to be. <laughs> so because of that, there's less resistance. Like when you put things in the gut, the gut expands. Therefore, the abdominal cavity is going to expand unless you have a really strong like abdominal wall to hold it in. So it could just be that. Something that's a little bit more like clinical is that some folks, their nervous system connection with the gut. So when you put food in the gut, the normal physiological response is actually for the gut wall to push back to keep things. Cause then as opposed to going out, it goes down. Mm. Some people have like a little bit of a feedback issue. And as soon as they eat their, their gut wall actually overtly releases. And this is a really important one for people to be aware of, especially in our like time of like leaky gut and SIBO, Because one of the symptoms that's so often quoted for SIBO, and it's correct, is instant bloating. So like you eat, because of course, if you're feeding too many bacteria in the small intestine, that starts happening like 30 minutes after you eat. So there's like an instant bloat. But you could actually just have a muscular wall problem. Mm. And so instead of going through this like rather torturous protocol for SIBO, it could actually be, you might need a physiotherapist to help you sort it sort that situation out. Hmm. Yeah. So often if, if I'm feeling bloated, my gut reaction, uh, is to get like a carbonated drink. Is Mm. that doing anything or is it just going to make me burp and like, well, you're putting more gas into your gut now, (laughs) but sometimes if it makes you burp, then it could have been that that 
that gas that's bloating you is actually fairly high up. And, and okay. so a burp actually feels, if a burp feels better, yeah. that's what it is. Okay. But one of the things that I, I talk to folks about is, yeah, like, do you uh, use a lot of straws? People use less straws now, but like you can sip a lot of air right. through straws. If you talk a lot when you're eating, yeah. you can also swallow. We swallow more air than we expect. Yeah. And you got a couple of ways for it to go. It can come back up yeah. <laughs> or it can go back down. It can actually diffuse across the gut wall a little bit too. So you could exhale it out. Yeah. Um, but generally speaking, if you swallow a bunch of gas, so drinking a lot of fizzy drinks, uh, chewing gum, if, especially if you chew, mom was right. Like don't chew gum with your mouth open <laughs> because you're going to swallow a lot of air and it might make you really bloated. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Okay. There, there we go. go. Yeah. So maybe it might be, you know, people experiencing bloating and trying to tie it to foods or making radical changes, eliminating like yeah. foods from their diet. And really it could be something as simple as like, don't chew so much gum yeah. or slow. Don't talk when you're eating. And and so often when we have intolerance type reactions to food, it's not actually the food. It's something going on in our physiology that's causing us to have this reaction to the food. And right. it is true. Like in the last 10 years, it's really been like, I have this symptom. I'm going to eliminate this food, but it actually doesn't go away. Like mm. it works for time because you've made a shift. You've made a change. Your gut's like, oh, something new. Like what's going on? And yeah. it changes a little bit. You end up with a new baseline. The symptoms come back. You eliminate something else. And it just becomes a spiral. And we've had so many people in our practice who come in and they're honestly eating 15 foods. And they just worse and worse because now you're malnourished. Yeah. You're definitely not getting the fiber you need, which is going to keep this whole system working really well. So honor your, like, honor your body. When your body tells you there's something wrong, like there's something wrong. Yeah. But make sure that you're going and getting it thoroughly checked out. And then instead of going on the internet, if it's available and affordable to you, like see a dietitian who knows this stuff mm -hmm. because, you know, food intolerance reactions, just like bloating, a lot of bloating can be constipation. A lot of food intolerance reactions can be constipation. Interesting. Yeah. 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 And you can't eat 30 plus plant foods if you're only eating like 15 foods or you yeah. keep eliminating stuff. It's going to be more and more challenging yeah. to get all of those things that we need. Yeah. The less fiber you get, the less, the fewer nutrients you get, the weaker your gut barrier is going to become, the weaker your gut microbiome is going to become. And they are the linchpin yeah. in all of this. And yeah. so you get into this weird things like what makes me feel good right now? Like what is symptom management? And so often the things that people love are the things that are symptom management. They're not addressing the root cause. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. di like digestive enzymes, right? Like they can make you feel like your stomach is settled, but they're not actually addressing why you felt bloated and off in the first place. Yeah. 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 That's good. I've got a few more, I got a few more questions and then maybe we could wrap up with, uh, I got some good random fire, rapid fire, okay. lightning okay. round, yeah. whatever we want to call it. Or the end, the, the end of the podcast <laughs> the questions. Game. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, we could call it that. We'll settle on a name eventually. Yeah. Okay. So one. Um, during COVID we've seen kind of this, like this mass, it's been like a pandemic of, of stress and anxiety. Mm -hmm. So we've seen like stress and anxiety at levels that in my lifetime I've, I've never seen before with, you know, young, healthy, every, everybody is like experiencing some form mm -hmm. of anxiety and stress. So, um, in your book, you talk about how stress messes with your gut and some, some stress management techniques that, um, you know, work for you, yourself or you yeah. found in your studies, um, yeah. you know, science, the science says that they can, uh, help with stress management. So I thought maybe we could touch on that Yeah. and then, 
I've got one last one, and then we can okay. wrap up. Yeah, I can't believe I have been totally remiss that this is the first time we're talking about stress because you just talked about like how we often blame the food. Yes, we greatly underestimate the real physiological impact that stress has mm. on our digestive function. Bloating can be stress yes. also. Um, and it's because our guts are so heavily innervated. Like we have more nerve cells in our gut than there is in our spinal cord. Wow. So there's a lot of like communication that comes from the gut on up to the brain. But what happens in the brain actually does have a very real physiological effect great example right now is I'm actually trialing um, some IBS directed hypnotherapy. Ooh, wow. That's crazy. That sounds so interesting. Cool. And we, and there is research to suggest that this hypnotherapy is as effective in IBS as the low FODMAP diet. Wow. Wow. That's yeah. crazy. So imagine just someone whispering sweet nothings, <laughs> AKA bloating, nausea, and reflux are a thing of the past actually works. Wow. So that's amazing. And yes. definitely it's worth having a really important, like what is stress in my life? Cause we don't think we're stressed. We're like, yeah, no, I'm not stressed. And it's like, I'm sorry. If you were living through a global pandemic, and actually holding down a job. If you have a child also, forget it. Your <laughs> yeah. stress is at a 10. You're just consciously very good at dealing with it. Yeah. And you've normalized it, but like you you can't game your nervous system, yeah. right? Like yeah. the primal part of you, it's going through the ringer. Yeah. So things that I find really, really critical is you have to commit 15 to 30 minutes a day. That seems like an enormous amount of time, but you can find it. So like if you commute on the bus, uh, you could do a guided meditation, choose one that's long, just long enough. You're not going to miss your stop. <laughs> like, <laughs> but you could be listening to like a free meditation app, noise canceling headphones on the bus. Um, if you have to choose between relaxation and exercise, well go for a run outside. That is absolutely like my, my like anxiety, like release valve yeah. is to put on my running shoes and go outside. And I feel, I literally used running to run away from my family in 2020. <laughs> I was like, I just got to get out of the house. Yeah. Um, so whatever it takes, the other thing we really need to be critical of, um, is just how attached to our devices we are. Mm. If you're the kind of person that devices in your hand right up until bedtime, I highly encourage you to two, two hour window. Like I'm not always great. I try at 8 PM to put my phone away. Yeah. Sometimes it's nine, but then it's away and I do not look at it. It's not in my bedroom. I have an actual alarm clock take a bath, like whatever, whatever you need to wind down, um, is really important. And then of course, from like, once you sort of do those things, like, yes, I'm sleeping. Yes. I'm trying to wind down. Yes. I'm like moving my body or getting outside. There are a whole bunch of other nutritional and like supplemental things like ashwagandha is incredibly grounding and calming and great for your nervous system. Like I said, I like pretty much every night I'll be like three months on and like two weeks off, um, magnesium and L-theanine to help my nervous system come down so that I can like calm down enough to sleep. Cause for like a decade I did not sleep. Mm. Yeah. Wow. And I was one of those people rationalized. I was like, no, 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 I'm fine. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. and then I started sleeping in and I was like, Oh, <laughs> Oh, okay. I'm guilty of that. I'm like, yeah. my diet's good. I exercise lots. You know, I do all the other things, but I'm like, sacrifice sleep you're yeah. listening to podcasts until yeah. 2 a.m <laughs> I, know. I know red three yeah, yeah. crypto yeah. there we go there we go so i know i need to work on on yeah. the sleep yeah 
the last great thing. Okay. <laughs> the last thing that uh, I want to chat about, Dean, you might have uh, some other tidbits, but I really like, I really love the, the plate method. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I thought that's a great takeaway um, yeah. for listeners to be able to apply a lot of this to their, their day-to-day. Yeah. Uh, a good rule of thumb, although it's not a rule. So yeah. Suggestion. Life can, motto. There you go. Motto, <laughs> Life motto. A practice. Bumper sticker. Yeah. Can, can you share um, the plate method? Yeah. The plate method is like so dietitian-y, and, mm. but it just, it works. Instead of like counting anything or worrying about the minutia of nutrition, If when you look at your plate, half of it is covered in fruits or vegetables, a quarter of it has some sort of more protein-dense food, like tofu, tempeh, chickpeas, hemp hearts, and then a quarter of it has some sort of starchy uh, vegetable or whole grain, there's a little bit of healthy fat in there, that's it. Like, that's all you need to do. If your plate will get bigger or smaller based on how much you need to feel full and satisfied and fuel your body... If you do that, pretty much all of the nutrients are going to align and there's going to be almost nothing that you lack for. And like mm-hmm. I said, pattern over plate. So sometimes you're just going to want a big bowl of pasta. Like sometimes I just want some cashew Alfredo and forget it. <laughs> but that's every once in a while. Most yeah. of the time I'm like, okay, where's the vegetables? And I like this because it's also really easy. You don't have to like make over how you eat. You're like, okay, so I love a bolognese, but I typically only have like tomato sauce and lentils in it. You're like, oh, okay, so I could just like roast some broccoli, you know, so now I've got the tomatoes and the broccoli. Like it's really easy to just augment what you eat. Yeah. You can double the vegetables in a recipe. Or if you're at a restaurant and what you really want doesn't have vegetables, you'd be like, okay, so now I'll order a side. Like it's just so, it should be that simple. And people refuse to believe that the simple, quiet things actually work. Yeah. But they're the only thing that actually does. Right. The Going, real silver bullet. Yeah. yeah. Those yeah. things, plus, as you said before, like consistency. Yeah. And recognizing it's what's on your plate, but it's also the, the pattern. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, that's that's so good. A good takeaway. Okay. Can I throw one at you? Yeah. We're in the season, not, right. not to like time stamp us, but we're in the season right now of Ramadan. Mm-hmm. Uh, also Lent. Uh, lots of lots of spiritual traditions always have these times of fasting, mm-hmm. right? And it's uh, good for the mind, the body, the soul, all of these things. But what about, um, I've heard a little bit here and there on fasting and like the microbiome and gut health. Mm-hmm. Can you speak to that? Is it good? Should we do it? Yeah. Limit it? So I will always, in these, in these spiritual traditions, I will divide my answer. Okay. So I think that, you know, fasting as part of your spiritual tradition is such an important part to your culture and, and your spirituality. Um, we just do that mm-hmm. and don't worry about it. Um, fasting from like the like wellnessy side, not necessarily a great thing for your microbiome. Okay. Um, as long, if it goes against sort of the normal circadian rhythms. So like a really great example is like I mentioned, like your gut microbiome do have a bit of a rhythm that looks different right after you've had a meal versus like when you're in the fasted state, um, going overnight without eating, um, is a normal and natural way for us to be. It also helps sweet your gut clear, which is really great. Um, but if you don't eat enough to sustain your body, Long term, you also starve out your gut bacteria. They need to eat. Mm-hmm. So a little bit different in traditions where you're just not eating during daylight hours, you know. So you are actually like r- rising. Yeah, 
if you're rising before or in the evening, you are still giving your body that nourishment. That's really critical. But otherwise, you know, if people, particularly in the intermittent fasting community, just get real, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of quote unquote biohackers who, when I, when I read what they're saying, I'm like, you have an eating disorder. Like it's, there's such a fine line in all of these things. And so, you know, it's really different if it's part of your cultural and spiritual tradition. But if you're doing this gently because you are just interested in the experience, totally fine. If you have any history, any, like just even little inkling history of eating, disordered eating or restrictive eating, I highly recommend you never fast. Mm. It's just, it's too detri- potentially detrimental right. to your physical and your mental health. Right. Yeah. And uh, that's why I was curious, because as you said earlier, like if we don't feed the, the microbiome and, yeah. the, and the bacteria down there with what they want, they're going to turn to other things and mm-hmm. it could have really negative effects. So. Yeah, totally. Yeah, because I've heard a lot about fasting is like this new hack of like... So yeah, good, it's good. Not a hack. Thank you. Yeah. Should an episode of just debunking all the things. It's I know. Fun. Oh yeah. my gosh! But then it's it's so interesting too with like this stuff because we get into these like little thought bubbles, right? And mm-hmm. so if someone refutes it instantly, you don't trust them, right? You're like, oh, she doesn't know what she's talking yeah. about yeah. because you know, like biohacker X. Right. Or even physician, you know, why, you know, yep. there are plenty of actual health professionals, yeah. dietitians, doctors included who spout absolute garbage, yeah. <laughs> you know, so trust, my, trust your gut. I think my dad might have one of those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. I got Good. one more. I promise last one. We can go to rapid fire. Uh, but this is one that I think you'll enjoy. One thing you've been consistent with for the last while now has been your cold plunges. Yes. Your, you know, dipping into the, the, the frigid old ocean, the yeah. wild ocean. Have you, in your, in your experience, in your studies, have you found a connection to our gut health, to our overall immunity? Um, what have you experienced and what has um, mm-hmm. your own science-seeking um, discoveries kind of mm-hmm. found? Yeah, I refused to make sourdough. So that was my only like weird <laughs> pandemic habit was yeah. dunking into like a five degree ocean. Yes. Um, so I did, I had to say as a dietitian, I was like, I had to kind of like look into this. Yeah. There isn't a lot of research for like what I do. So it's like if you yeah. are a high performance athlete yeah. doing those, those ice baths after, there's quite a bit of research to support like decreased inflammation and improved recovery from that. Um, there's also another sort of like line of research on like, you know, like channel swimmers, like people who like really swim in cold oceans. Um, and there does appear to be some benefit to it for someone who just like stands in the ocean for 10 (laughs) to 15 minutes. There isn't. Um, so I'll just speak as like the person and not the dietitian. What I, the reason why I fell in love with it, because it seemed like the last thing I would ever do. Um, is I find a profound sense of calm Mm. because your body is like, this isn't right. I might be in danger. (laughs) Like you, you get very present. You are very present in the sensations of your body. You also have to override your better judgment (laughs) and like you hit that cold water and you just have to keep going. Um, so it gave me a little bit of a sense that, uh, all of the things that I thought, were true about myself are not necessarily true. Mm, cool. Um, that I'm actually able to challenge this notion of like, I can or cannot do this because I really do hate the cold. <laughs> like just, I hate it. 
seat heat is on three, even though it's not cold outside today. (laughs) (laughs) Seat heat is on three. So yeah, I really challenged my notion of what I thought was possible, which I find really empowering. I also become really, really anxious and I got way worse over the last couple of years. Um, I just profound sense of calm. Mm. I, some of the reading about it, I heard they described it like a hangover in reverse. So as the pain comes first, cause it does the first three minutes, your body is going, stop, stop. This is silly. Don't do this. Leave, <laughs> yeah. leave, leave. This is cold. And then you get past it. You come out and you feel warm. Actually, yeah. <laughs> you feel warm and then you feel very calm. So it's, incredible. And I do find, um, because my knees don't love my running, which is why I still don't run a lot. It's like short and slow. Um, but it really helps. Okay. Yeah, cool. really do you helps. go for a certain amount of time or we do? So yeah. So our, we do 10 to 12 minutes yeah. when it's really cold. Like, cause yeah, if the ocean is like five, the other thing is we wear for anyone who's like, Oh, this is cool. You got to protect your hands and your feet. Okay. So five, we have five millimeter neoprene booties and mitts, which yeah. I find is not enough. Like the next step is like the seven mils. Yeah. Um, because my feet feel really cold after, okay. but, um, you do have to protect it. The other thing, if you've got anything wrong with your heart, maybe don't do it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's not, it's not for everyone. And right. we started with like literally like 47 seconds screaming the whole time. <laughs> like it was not like some whim hoff. Like yeah, you're in there. We're in like... command of the universe. No, it was like, <laughs> it was ridiculous. A bunch of girls just like, ah! but now we do 10 to 12 minutes. And then in the summer, um, we will go longer. Yeah, we go amazing. somewhere where the water's colder Yeah, and, uh, then yeah, we'll stand for 20, 30 minutes because cool. it's, 20 degrees outside. outside yeah, yeah. I get that. It's pretty chilly down at the, um, the headwaters in the summer. If you go down to Lynn Valley, that, that's exactly that's like a nice spot. That's exactly where we go. Cause like, as soon as like May hits, yeah. our ocean is, well, it's not that cold anymore. And you do, you miss the, you miss the high. Yeah. You, you're looking for that hit. Yeah. Um, but also unfortunately our ocean gets very dirty and yes. yeah. So in the summer we go yeah. to Lynn headwaters. There you go. <laughs> okay. I like it. Uh, do you know anything else or should we go to, uh, Let's do, lightning some, around. let's do some randoms. Okay. First one. What's in your smoothie, Desiree Nielsen? Oh my gosh. I'm such a food jag person. So yeah. it's like only this for months and then something totally different. Um, I'm very much on like a pineapple kick. Yep. And pineapple and greens are just such a good blend. Combo. So yeah, frozen pineapple and like whatever greens and then always hemp hearts. Okay. Nice. Yeah. And then cool. sometimes I'll like do like do it juicy. Sometimes yeah. it's like with almond milk, but okay. like, yeah. Cool. 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 cool, cool. Always hemp hearts. Yeah. Always hemp hearts. What's something you've been uh, watching lately that you'd recommend on the Netflix or the Crave or Ooh. the whatever it might be? Ooh. Well, I just watched the Tony Hawk documentary. Oh, cool. Which was like so good. Okay. I didn't really... Like, I mean, I grew up with skate kids, but it was just very different. So yeah, like I learned a lot about sort of the culture of that. And I really enjoyed that. I also just finished Killing Eve. Ooh, so good. good. Watch good. That. Yeah. I watched it. Yeah, it's good. It is, it is so good. Okay. It's not for the faint of heart. <laughs> it's, it's a little graphic, <laughs> but it's just, it's genius. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. We're both snack fans. Mm-hmm. Both love snacks. I love snacks. Yes. What are your like trendy, cool, like what are your snack crushes right now? What are you crushing on in the in the snack the snack land? Well, it's so hard because now I'm like, no, then they have to be really cool, um, <laughs> <laughs> especially with you guys. Um, so I have officially decided that my favorite flavor of roasted chickpeas 
are the Biena Habanero chickpeas. Ooh, yeah. It is the greatest flavor okay. ever conceived. Amazing. And they're American. How can you tell? Like, I finally went back to the States for the first time yes. after two years. Yes. I went to Whole yes. Foods and bought all of them. Like I saw your, nice. That was so good. Your post. Yeah, when you posted that, I was like, yes. It spent like $100, yeah. honestly. We, yeah. We were down not much after you were there. It was so funny. It was like Trader Joe's, Whole Foods, like all the places that we like, they yeah. have the stuff that maybe we don't have here. It's like, oh, load up. Yeah, it's so good. Snack. Um, I am also, you know, in a long-term relationship with Sourcran. Okay. They're oh, just, yeah. yeah, Canadian product. Yeah. They are, if you like sour candy, they are dried cranberries, but then with like the sour candy coating yeah. on them. Ooh. I want to kiss, like whatever genius <laughs> at Patience Root Company came up with those because they're my, like, like, I just want something. That's Bag of it. those. Yeah. Oh, okay. Bag of those. It's so good. They, they have like they sour. Fiber. Got yeah, well, yeah, because they're they're actual like dried cranberries. There we go. Um, I think Prince with cousin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Little cousin. Okay, so yeah. sour cran. Sour cran. I'm very into sour. It doesn't just cran. have to be snacks. It could be like retail products. Yeah. Um, okay, so I'll be mean and choose another American one, which yes. is a, so the Della Cale Tabac. Tepache. Okay. So tepache is a Mexican fermented beverage. Oof. So, I mean, to be derivative, like the kombucha of Mexico, maybe, right, you know, yeah. um, so good. Okay. It's really fresh. Um, it's pineapple base. Ooh. And then they just have really cool flavors like tamarind. And like, Oof. I just think it's so awesome. Is that a good sweetener, tamarind? Are we, is that one okay? Well, tamarind is like a sweet and sour yeah, kind of thing. So I don't know if they make just a sweetener out yeah. of it, but it's a really like it's, it's a, a beautiful great, flavor it's a great yeah. flavor. It's an amazing flavor haritos makes like a tamarind yeah. one oh. it's good i mean it's yeah. more it's just kind of like a pop but it's tasty all right <laughs> you can join me in the lollipop uh, yeah i know <laughs> yeah i was thinking we can we can take this off pot but it'd be fun to do like a like a blind taste test with some of these like different ones like do mm. an lollipop versus a poppy versus yeah. a whatever like get you and maybe dr matthew negra and like Oh do my that. gosh. We should do that. That'd be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, selfish question. Okay. Best, best restaurants in Vancouver. Yeah. Um, that's so, so hard. <laughs> yes. Because I, I love them all. I love them all. <laughs> um, but if I get down to brass tacks, like let's, we'll always juice track. Thank you. I'll be very clear. <laughs> always juice track. So, uh, yeah, really every day of my life I could eat that. Um, I love, uh, Grano. Pizzeria. Oh, it's so good. Hey, to me, it is the best, Yeah. not just the best vegan pizza, but yeah. some of the best pizza I've ever had. Like it's way better than double zero in New York. Like that famous wow. vegan pizza place. Yeah, like okay. it's way better. So I love it. Um, and I will always love meat. Yeah. Meat is my go-to. It's got everything. Mm. Such a good it's, spot. it's got it. Yeah. I mean, I hear they have salads, but really. <laughs> Their salads are good though. <laughs> Their Honestly, salads are they excellent. Are yeah. <laughs> but I most often have a burger or yeah. actually my, <laughs> my big thing, my big comfort food is their mac and cheese. Then I also add the taco mix, and then I also add a side of steamed kale. There we go. <laughs> That's, That's my like full meal the, deal. Uh, <laughs> there we go. It's not quite. Plate. You're keeping the plate method. The plate method. Yeah, it's not quite half my plate, but there's something <laughs> green. Yeah. Um, and then I really still love the acorn. Yeah, acorns are great. Um, we went there like a couple months ago for the first time in a long time, and it just they consistently just push. Yeah. They just push it. Like mm-hmm. they served us a dessert that was like based on a mirepoix. So 
like carrot celery mix. Like it's just so creative yeah. and yeah. like I get so inspired. I love their food. Yeah. And what about like, are there any, uh, like more localized places like close to your, your home, like on commercial drive, like any, uh, Indian places or Korean places, or I know you don't love sushi maybe the most, but like, <laughs> are there any like less known places that you want to, yeah, to- to? I mean, yeah, shout out Hastings Sunrise. We have so much good food. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like the the banh mi, the tofu banh mi, which you can get without mayo, which keeps it vegan. Then I just put my vegan mayo on at home. Yeah. I'm um, from Le Fa okay. on Hastings. is fantastic. There we go. It's absolutely fantastic. Um, we also have a really great Palestinian restaurant mm. called Tamam. So like the actual restaurant is on Hastings, but then they opened more of like takeout counter yep. on Commercial Drive. Okay. And they have plenty of vegan options. Amazing. And the food is so flavorful. Sweet. I really love them too. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Any more dinner? I don't know. Yeah, we could ask the Desiree questions. I know. Right? That could just day. be what our podcast is called. Yeah. Yeah. Ask Desiree. Desiree. Random Desiree. things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Coming soon. No, let's, uh, let's land it. Should we, should we wrap it up? Yeah. All right, Dina. Cool. I think we might have asked you this question no, before. No, we didn't. We didn't? Because we started doing this That's after Desiree. Right. Yes, I was going to say. So you can either yeah. say the same or, or manufacture something, but it's going to be the first time we've asked you. So um, we like to ask all of our guests, (laughs) maybe not the first ones that we recorded, but uh, obviously we named the podcast a little more good. That's our intention. That's what we want to create and see in the world. Um, And we're curious to know, like from all of our guests, what does that bring to Mm. mind for you? What does that mean for you? A little more good. You know, I think that really ties in with, you know, former life mottos of just consistency, but also patience and gentleness with yourself because I think we do live in a culture that's like you're not working hard enough you're not making enough money you're not achieving enough quickly enough and that seems like the exact opposite of what we actually need to do to be like happy functional humans um but that being said I like I want to have goals I want to do stuff I want to I do want to achieve stuff so I think when I hear a little more good. It's about being like, okay, what's one thing today? Mm. Just one, one thing today that I am doing to move towards the me that I want to be or the future that I want to see. Um, because at the end of the day, that's often all that we can really do, (laughs) you know? So if we just, if each one of us just tries to do one thing, then that will actually have like a huge impact. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Desiree. It was such an honor to share a conversation with you, and I'm so excited for, for your book to come out to the world. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what day is it coming out, and where can we all find it? Yeah, so it comes out May 3rd. Um, hit up your local indie bookstore. If you don't have one, then all the, all the big guys have it too. Go hit your indie bookstore. Yes. <laughs> we'll try to get it in the juice track. Yeah. We'll see if we can put an order in. Amazing. Well, we look forward to it coming out. Congratulations and thank you for your time here, but also thank you for the work you're doing in the world, looking after people, their guts, what's on their plates, and just them in general. Thank so, you. so appreciative of you. It's a pleasure. Thanks, that's awesome. right. Good for your gut. I'm feeling, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling healthy from just digesting all that healthy information. That's right. Feeling so, better already. It's true, though. You know, Obviously, pick up the book 
and you'll be able to flip through it and see for yourself. But the recipes are amazing, uh, nourishing, obviously good for your gut, but also like accessible, which yes. is what we said off the top, like with Desiree, like it, her, her approach to gut health, to overall health is just, it's accessible. Yeah. She's approachable. Um, and I just felt even after that conversation, like gut health is not, it's, it's a big topic and there's many, many components to it. But really, it can be broken down to like be pretty simplistic in terms of understanding, you know, what we need to put in and in order to like cultivate and build that healthy gut, which leads to so much health for the rest of ourselves. And I felt just like it's empowering to know that it's within our grasp, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, Desiree Nielsen. Yeah, I find sometimes with information like what she shares, sometimes it can be like many things. It can leave me feeling overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, shit, I can't do that. But with Desiree, I just always feel inspired to like, you know, know, know more and, and do better for myself. It's true. Uh, which I love, you know. We always yep. want to be the healthiest versions of ourselves. And I think Desiree definitely helps inspire that yeah and enables it for all of us totally so grateful to have her uh in in our in our circle or to be to be in her orbit maybe it's more appropriate yes. right as uh yeah but be sure to be sure to check it out uh you can get the book obviously at any local bookstore or anywhere you can get books um check out our website uh check her out on instagram as well yeah. definitely worth a follow and on tiktok if you're not on tiktok get She's on tiktok and, and i think we plugged uh, it we plugged it pretty hard this episode so get on the tiktok get on the tiktok and uh her podcast is great yeah all, the, the all sorts the pod. all sorts podcast okay. uh, she does a great job of you know connecting with all sorts of uh experts within the wellness world it's so. true if you were digging what she was saying um her pod is just like a deep dive on all things gut food health eat, eating more plants looking after our body our yep. planet it's the way to be all the things all right thanks everyone yeah be sure to like and uh leave a comment share the episode if it resonated with you tag us tag desiree so she knows and can feel the love too we appreciate you all uh listening and coming along for the ride so see y'all next week same place same time peace ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 